going on guys this is jack freeman this is uh the jack of all trades podcast and uh we got my man ryan rocket here the producer um today is a different day this week is a different week the reason why is because i don't have a guest today i don't have a guest i don't know how this is gonna go i don't have a script the reason why is because my guest hit me the night before to tell me she would not make it i called face earlier today aka mr brad jordan and if you know brad jordan like i know brad jordan you know that it is virtually impossible to get him to do (laughs) a damn thing besides play golf (laughs) so um he said yeah just remind me bro <laughs> That's what he said. He said, "Remind me when it gets close, because I'm supposed to be in that area." All right, cool. So I'm on my way here, calling, I'm calling, I'm calling. He doesn't answer the phone because that's how Brad Jordan does. <laughs> that's what that's what Brad Jordan does. So uh, shout out to Scarface, man. I had a lot of stuff I wanted to talk to him about. One of these days, we're gonna get him on there because um, this is actually the second or third time I've tried to get him and he did not uh, come through on that end. That is the reason why we had Brad Gilmore on the show one particular time. So uh, I don't have a script. A lot of stuff is going on though. So me and Ryan Rocket are just going to sit up here and we're going to talk. So Ryan Rocket is the host, well co-host of the uh, Pills and Pills, uh, gems and gems juice and podcast. Juice. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> pills the and gem, potions. Yeah, pills. Yeah, that's what it. Where did I get that from? <laughs> Nicki Minaj. Oh my god, song. that's a fucking ter- favorite artist. Get out of wow. Get out of my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> the gems and juice podcast. He's the host. He's also the co-host of the Ryan Rocket and ESG show. ESG and Rocket show. The ESG and Rocket show. Yeah. Uh, sports podcast. Uh, that airs what every when every Saturday every, typically it comes out so. every Saturday it comes out yes um the uh, gems and juice podcast airs what same same every day. Saturday okay so Saturday so if you're in the pop culture hip hop R and B culture and all that kind of stuff tune in to the gems and juice podcast with Jazz and Figgy and Ryan Rocket yes sir if you're in the sports. Tune in to the ESG and Rocket Show. Yes. It's a great show. I've been on it. Yes. Um, yeah, man. So we're probably going to do a little bit of both today. Um, we got, first of all, tell us, t- t- tell the people a little bit about yourself, where you're from, you know, how you started in this thing, and, and then we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to it. How are you doing, first of all? How, I'm good, man. Good? I'm probably your lowest profile guest. I <laughs> mean, I don't know. Like, I, so, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it depends on how you look at it. But, yeah. you know, I, I'm usually I'm not really used to talking about myself. Um, I, I try to entertain mainly because I feel like I'm not at the level where people really care about what I'm doing. Right. right. But just personally, um, how I started in the radio game. Um, I started off with a degree in journalism. My goal was to be a news writer. Yeah. Um, that was my big thing going into college. I went to UT Austin for mm-hmm. a couple years, uh, transferred to U of H, uh, interned at the Houston Chronicle. Yeah. Worked there for a few years. 
Um, graduated in about 2013 with a major in uh, print journalism. Okay. Worked at the Houston Chronicle part-time, transferred to Corpus Christi. Then I realized that the news game really wasn't for me. No. Um, it is very, very work-intensive and not very fun. The stuff you have to cover. I was covering, like, you know, breaking news, cops, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Very depressing beat. Yeah. And uh, I like to entertain and try to entertain people. I'm really in entertainment, music, right. things like that. So I started working at a sports radio station in Corpus Christi uh, for a few years, uh, covered the draft where Jadavion Clowney got drafted, mm-hmm. moved back over here to Houston, started working at Sports Radio 610 for a few years. And I'm still kind of here, but now I have a different job full time. But I still do the podcast thing, still trying to grind that out. Because that's my ultimate goal to be, you know, some type of, I don't want to say like Charlemagne, but some kind of figure where, you know, people want to hear what I want to say, I guess. So, okay. That's yeah. what's up, man. It's always a start. There's always a start you have to go through. And, yeah. Um, whether it be the, the radio or the podcast world, it's, uh, I'm learning that it's a, it's a, it's definitely a grind. Yeah. It takes years and years and years to get into it. And, you know, um, one of the stories that I, um, I like to hear a lot about is Jamel Hill's story. Yeah. Because, you know, she started off, you know, writing and, you know, and then going on and working for these networks that were smaller and then going on and working for the big network, the ESPNs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, God, I mean, ladies like her and guys like, uh, like Michael Smith, um, I hope at some point they do a 30 for 30 on Stuart Scott. Yeah. Love Stuart Scott. I'm sure so, they will. Yeah. They got to, man. It's, yeah. I mean, he's just, I mean, his roommate was Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what can you say? So, um, yeah, man. Oh, wait a... What? What? Uh-oh. Brad. Hey, what's up, what's up Jack? <laughs> Where you at? I mean, I'm just leaving my grandmother's house. Where you at? I'm at the station doing the podcast. Oh, shit. You, you, you <laughs> going to come? It won't be right now. I got to run some errands for mama. What time? What time is is? Uh, safe. Oh, shit, man. Probably about four thirty. All right, I'm gonna hit you at four thirty and see if we still up here. Okay, bro. Either. I right, go. Yeah. <laughs> you can leave that in. Yeah. <laughs> that was Brad Jordan, everyone, uh, aka Scarface. He's running errands for Grandma, who, uh, you know. How, how did you, well, I, I know, it's, <laughs> I don't want to get to how interview you, but how did you meet Scarface, Brad Jordan? So that was one of the things that I was going to say. Um, um, me and Brad have met on, we met on three different occasions. Um, I'm sorry. So. We met on three different occasions and he, the first time we met, I met him at a concert. Might've been four occasions. Actually, I met him at a concert that he wasn't performing at, but he was on the side of the stage. I think, no, 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 he might, no, no, he wasn't, he wasn't performing. And he was sitting, he was standing next to this chick, you know, hollering at her. This was, this was still fat Scarface. Okay. I don't know if you've seen Scarface lately, but Ladies and gentlemen, Scarface has lost so much weight over he the has. years. Um, he, he's, I mean, he's 
completely different looking guy from 2001 yeah. Scarface. So um, this was like the the tail end of Fat Scarface. <laughs> and um, this is probably like 2011, I would say. And um, I walked up to him while he's talking to this girl, and I said, yo, I just want to let you know you're one of my favorite rappers, man. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me, he's like, thanks. And he turned around, and he started talking back to the girl. I was like, okay, cool, but let me not throw salt in his game. So the next time I saw him, um, this is like <laughs> – this is kind of like the watered down version of the first time I met OJ Simpson. Oh uh, no! But uh, <laughs> so the second time I met him, I was with a DJ Beto. So there's two Betos. There's a there's a John Beto, producer out of Port Arthur, and then there's no wait, John Beto is the one from Houston. I want to say John B. John Beto. Beto. Okay. Yeah. Is that uh, I think he's yeah he's the one from Houston and then there's DJ Beto DJ Beto is from Port Arthur okay so DJ Beto uh, did a lot of the he 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 had a a hand in uh, the Naked Soul of Sweet James Jones the PC yeah. album um, I think he produced most of that uh, he did a lot of late UGK records okay um, so DJ Beto good friend of mine i don't know john beto so dj beto and i are talking in the studio i did a record for some rapper that he was working with and he's like yeah face gonna be in here uh right after this so i was like okay cool yeah i want to meet him he's like yeah yeah, yeah we, you know we can meet you know y'all can meet and so he said um uh, he he came in and um he said um he stood in, he was cracking jokes on everybody, and I was like, yo, you know, we met before, but I just want to let you know I'm a big fan. He's like, please don't be no fan. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, cool. <laughs> so I left. I was like, let me do that. Whatever. Uh, 2014 came about. I'm leaving the barbershop. I'm on the way home. I'm getting ready to drive to Austin and um, go to, I think a family union was what it was, and uh, um, and my boys, uh, um colon cancer uh, basketball tournament the kill mm-hmm. colon cancer tournament so shout out to george kill okay um george kill also um ran the blog for nice kicks for years okay um was the editor for that were you uh, in this tournament i was not in the tournament but okay. i was going out to go kick it with uh uh adam rap you know adam rap heard of him um he used to do the rap show and um had the uh, had the the uh buy sell and trade skate and streetwear shop over off of uh south post oak okay um so shout out to adam rap he's he he used to do sports shows all over the place so um i was on my way to that but i had to go home first so i'm driving down 1960 i live on i live on the northwest side so i'm driving down 1960 i get rear-ended into another car yeah jack had not paid his insurance traffic warrants oh. <laughs> ever like oh, had never paid them. <laughs> so, I've been there. I've been there. So long story short, uh, the cop runs everybody's license. I didn't cause the wreck, but I'm the one who ends up going to jail. Okay. I go to jail for, I spend a night in Harris County jail from about eight o'clock Friday night on a Friday night in the summertime to, uh, about 10 AM Saturday morning. Oh, worst worst time of my life avoid the bookings beloved man tell you on friday man (laughs) i saw the judge at 10 o'clock p.m 
They said I got time served. I can go home. Okay. I didn't get out till 10 p.m. the next morning. Mm. Yeah, it's terrible. So I have no car. I have to get a rental, but I have to get a rental because I have to renew my license. I hadn't renewed my license because I hadn't paid my <laughs> traffic yeah. warrants. Oh, damn. It's it just a domino up. effect. It piled up. Damn, so man. now I got to go. I, I think I dropped like $1,500 to just like, to just like get the warrants out of the way. I think mm-hmm. it's like $1,500, something like that. Mm. Um, I don't have a car. It's Sunday now. I'm just like in a funk because I'm like, this is just stupid. Like, yeah. This is all stupid. I get a call from Steve-O, who is um, a... Uh, not the jackass Steve-O. No, 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 not the jackass Steve-O. This okay. is Black Steve-O okay. from the North, uh, recording engineer here in Houston. And he says, hey, man, uh, you want to do this record for Scarface? And I said, excuse me, who? <laughs> and he said, Scarface. I said, well, yeah, but <laughs> when... Because I don't have a car right now. Mm-hmm. He said, I think we're going to do the session on Thursday. He's like, what's up, man? You, you good? You sound like you just kind of in it. I was like, well, can you send me the song? He's like, no. Uh, Face don't like songs being sent to him. So he's asking me, you know, what's going on. And I said, yo, I, I was like, it's cool, man. I just got basically jammed up. I went to jail uh, for traffic warrants. It's nothing really big. I just, I'm just coming off a bunch of money and I got to get a rental car, all that kind of stuff. So... He said, you know, what's funny about this whole thing is the song is about being in jail. And I said, he said, just give me a second. So he mm-hmm. hang up. He calls back. He said, Face told me to sing you this record now. So, mind you, Face still doesn't know that we've met twice before. Yeah. In fact, it took a while for him to even know who the hell I was, even after the song was done. Okay. So he sent me the record. I had listened to maybe two bars of the song. Okay. And I had a verse done. Sitting I mean, I had in the a, Harris a, a County Jail. No. no. Uh, <laughs> close. Um, I had, as soon as the, the beat dropped, I was like, oh, sitting on this concrete couch, just waiting. And I was like, damn. And so I had it just in my head real quick. So I called my barber, right? It was the only guy that I could even think. I was like, I don't know why I called him. I can't remember why I called him. I said, look, um, I got this session with Scarface, and I need a ride to Stafford on Thursday. Yeah. Can you do it? He's like, yeah. I mean, I was like, you sure? He's like, yeah. What else you gonna do? Like, okay. To this day, my barber is like one of my closest friends. Yeah. And so, um, we drive out. We go to um, James Hoover's house. James Hoover is a well-known recording engineer. Um, Destiny's Child. Uh, no relation to Larry, huh? No relation to Larry, right? No, no relation to Larry. This okay. is a white man. A okay. white man. Um, <laughs> we go out to his house. Um, he's got a studio set up in there. And uh, Steve-O's kind of overseeing things. And I laid a verse. I mean, I laid a hook. And Face probably shows up like an hour and a half later. Okay. Face shows up, and he's talking to everybody. And he goes, like, all right, so what y'all got? 
So he plays the song and um, he plays, oh, sitting on this concrete couch, just waiting. And he stops the song and he starts laughing at me. Okay. And I said, what happened? And he said, oh, you definitely been to jail. He said, where'd you go, <laughs> County? I said, yes, I was at Harris County. So we started laughing. And we talked for an hour and a half about jail. Okay. I don't think he ever finished listening to the hook that day. <laughs> so we got the song done. Two months later, I'm at my house. I hear a song come on. There was somebody put out a song on like Double XL or something like that, and it was a record for. It was either the game song. No, it was J. It was Jeezy song. Mm-hmm. It was called Beautiful. Okay, and it was Jeezy, the game, and Rick Ross. Okay, the exact same freaking sample that we used. For the hot seat. Oh, no. I said, yo, this song's never going to come out. <laughs> so I hit Steve-O. I said, yo. And I almost feel like the producer sent the same sample. I mean, sent the same beat because yeah. it was chopped the exact same way. He pulled Amigos and Soldier Boy, basically. Yes. So he was like, man, let me just check, man. He's like, damn. He's like, and I was like, dog, I'm kind of not even mad because the song is dope. Mm-hmm. I said, but that was my time to get on the Scarface record. Months go by, like February comes around. And he says, um, I get a call from my good friend, uh, uh, Joel Wells, OG of mine. And um, he said, yo, man, I'm sitting with N.O. Joe right now. Mm -hmm. N.O. Joe is a legendary, I got to get him on the show, a legendary producer. Um, one that a lot of people aren't aware of, but a lot of the great Scarface records over the nineties came from N.O. Joe from about 92, 93 to about now. <laughs> a lot of the great N.O. Joe, I mean, a lot of the great records from Scarface came from N.O. Joe. Yeah. Um, he said, yeah, I'm sitting here with N.O. Joe. He said, you know, Joe, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, he got this song from Scarface and Face didn't really know your name. And so when we asked him who it was, he said, I don't know, some nigga from Houston. Mm. And um, he said, but we need to know for sure that this is you on the record because we're trying to finish the album and get the splits taken care of. So I go up to, uh, you know, where they were at and they put me in the car. I'm sitting in, the, in, in Joe's car and he plays this song and I was like, it sounds like a song, but it's the sample's not there. He's like, yeah, I replayed everything. I said, okay, cool. So when I come on, I was like, yeah, that's me. He's like, yeah, yeah, man. So we're going we gonna, to uh, get you on the splits or whatever. We're going to make sure that you get get your cut and all that kind of stuff. I was like, whatever, man. Mm-hmm. So um, the track list comes out a few months later. I'm not on the track list. Uh-oh. Not featured on the song. But oh, no. I know that the song is there. Yeah. So now I'm like, Steve-O, bro, am I on this album or not? Because, like, this is not right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nah, man, you on it, I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, I guess we'll see on Tuesday. <laughs> so the album comes out. I skip to that song. It's mm-hmm. the second song on the, on the album. And I'm there. And uh, that is how the relationship between me and Brad Jordan began. Okay. Since then, we've done a remix to that song, I guess you would say. 
Um, I've done maybe two or three other songs for him. Um, Brad is um, a um, frequent um, patron of the Davenport, um, as I am as well. Okay. So we see each other a lot. Um, just saw him in the studio last week. Um, he's a great guy. Yeah. He's just a fucking lunatic. Yeah. And, and I, I, I was always <laughs> wondering like how, how that relationship is because you seem more like a laid back dude and Scarface seemed like more like an unhinged type of dude at times. So Brad wondering is, like how y'all chill, like how that relationship goes. Brad is, he is, it's hard to explain because you don't ever really know if you're going to get Scarface or if you're going to get Brad. Yeah. And then when you get Brad, you don't know which Brad you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> so because he's a lot of different things, like mm-hmm. he's hilarious. Yeah, he is. He's funny as hell. Um, Then there's the Brad that really don't want to be bothered at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get a lot of him, a lot of that all the time um, because I don't talk to him every day. But it exists. That Brad exists. Um, Then there's Scarface who is the most, you know, even before I met him, Brad was like one of my favorite rappers of all time. His pen is legendary. Like Jesse James, the way he raps, like, you know, now you see, you see rappers and you, and as they get older, they aren't, as sharp with their pen a lot of rappers are like that but there's only a few that as they get older are just like almost better yeah in a lot of ways um i say that about jay-z i say that about nas i say that about um black thought um we can debate the first two but black thought i agree hove has gotten better I, I think now uh, Hove isn't as his cadence isn't as fast yeah. his his pacing isn't as fast but it's almost as if uh, Hove is Hove is like Jordan in a sense where like as he got older he wasn't dunking but his jump shot yeah, was crazy and his fadeaway was amazing yeah. and then when Jordan got to the Wizards he was averaging 20 on the block because he was posting dudes up and and that's what that's this is that's the Jay-Z that we see right now yeah and so I can enjoy them both now obviously yeah Jay-Z that did American Gangster is I think American Gangster is his best album just I think it's the best I think it's the best combination of production and lyrics that he's done up until 444 I think you you got to listen to Reasonable Doubt again. Man. I love Reasonable Doubt. You have to hear. That I love Reasonable again. Doubt, but that Jay Z didn't structure songs as well as I he agree. does now. American Gangster is incredible. Yes, but. he was. He was Jordan in the league when he was just dunking. Yeah, and just kind of getting by off athleticism. That's what Reasonable Doubt was for me, and I love Reasonable Doubt. I was just listening to Reasonable Doubt. But there's a time when Jay hit a, a stride rapping that was like, bro, every time he comes out, it's a 40-point game. Yeah. And now it's 
now it's like a, a refined J that I can I can mm-hmm. I can absolutely get with, right? Nas has always been a beat selection person for me. Yeah. So when the beat ain't good for me, yeah. I can't yeah. really just jam Nas like that. But he can still like that shit he did on um on Swiss's album, Echo. Yeah. That was hard. Jamming, right? But I say all that to say him, those guys, Black Thought, these guys that like still work on their pen and still work. Brad is right up there with those guys. Like he might be above some like as far as the way he approaches the beat and the way he raps on like there's no drop off. He just doesn't, you know, like and and he evolves his cadence and his and his and his rap style um as the beats go. He could rap on anything. Yeah. So um for me to just kind of be in the room with him and just kind of like experience Scarface because mm-hmm. like I it's, it's still times where I'm in the studio with him I'm like damn that's that's really yeah. Scarface like and because because the way he's rapping I'm like y'all hear, do y'all hear this because <laughs> I hear it <laughs> you know what I mean but uh, but yeah like he's like I said you just never really know which one you're gonna get yeah but the one that's there constant is the one that's like fuck white people. <laughs> like, like that is that is his his uh his thing man like he's an aggressive aggressive guy man but um them crackers them them crackers <laughs> them crackers uh but yeah that's my scarface story that is my absolute my scar scarface story so who who is most uh, met your expectations that you've met in person because I feel like I'm kind of nervous to meet certain people that I look up to because you never know like how they're gonna what their personality is really gonna be like if they're really gonna be cool people or not yeah like I'm kind of nervous every, if I ever meet Jay-Z what if you don't like me what if he's like an asshole yeah you no know, that would affect my perception of his music probably so who in your career have you met who you're like damn you know he he's exactly what I thought he would be um, actually, Brad. Okay, I think he was everything that I thought he was because I think I had read enough and seen enough that I was like, yeah, he's a little off. But <laughs> but I can I can, and also um, I don't know if it's just because our birthdays are a day apart. Okay, but like he, I do see parts of myself in him. Okay, parts of it. Um, another one was Arian Foster though. Arian was um very much a um. He was very much everything that he perceives yeah. or portrays on um, on TV when he was uh, playing and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, who else? Um, I didn't think Robert Glasper would be as funny as he was. Okay. But he's funny as hell. Um, there's a lot of guys that I just, there's a lot of, male and female celebrities that I've always just wanted to meet. And I kind of, I think I'm, I think I'm kind of one of those people that's like, I don't ever really have much of an expectation over who they are. Mm -hmm. So like I, if like I ever met Kanye, I would just expect Kanye to just be Kanye. Yeah. And I would, I wouldn't necessarily be disappointed by anything he says because you already have a, 
he's already a yeah. fucking retard. So, <laughs> Man, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean? I mean, he just already says ridiculous yeah. shit. So I'm just waiting on him to say more ridiculous shit. Yeah. That's all. But what if you met him and he was really cool? I would, I, I'm not even, I'm not even surprised if he would be cool. Like, I think he would be cool, mm-hmm. but I think he would also say some shit like, come on, bro. Like, really? <laughs> come on, man. Like, we were having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I think, uh, I don't know, I think, for the most part, I just kind of take people as, as, you know, as who they are. I think I might have caught Lupe on a bad day. Oh, no. Yeah. That's another one. That's a really bad one. So uh we were in Austin uh for a fest well, not a fest I guess you would call it a festival. It was a show that they threw at the Austin Music Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh was it Austin City Music Hall or Austin no, it was the Austin Music Hall. Yeah. Downtown. I think so. And um he um we had him there was uh, him. It was Killer Callion, Pawal, and Ali Shaheed Muhammad and Fife Dog. Okay. R.I.P. R.I.P. to Fife Dog. Met Fife Dog twice actually. Oh wow. Um, I think Ali Shaheed was supposed to go last. Ali Shaheed and and um and Fife because it was a time. There was a time with Tribe where they weren't together mm-hmm. and Jerobi was off cooking and Q-Tip was off being Q-Tip and Fife and Ali Shaheed were doing these shows um, as Fife Dog pretty much. Yeah. And if I can remember, I, I believe it was they were doing Tribe songs but obviously Q-Tip wasn't around, mm-hmm. right? So they couldn't necessarily say that they were Tribe Called Quest yeah. because it wasn't a Tribe Called Quest. It was just half of the group. Exactly. Like so, when, um, yeah. New so, Edition tours without half the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, this little white kid, like Jewish kid, he might have been like 19 when I met him. He was... Uh, um. This was at the at the at the inception of like Scoremore, if you know Scoremore's tour company or whatever. So there's another that, that's run by this young white kid that I met when he was 20. Um, and then there was this other white kid that was like 19 or 18. He had just graduated from like Lamar High School or something like that. Okay, and um, he was throwing these concerts because he had all his money, and um. They came out and they had the show in Austin and I think I was supposed to do something with uh with Killer Cali on that day. So I drove out there and I get there and people are like first of all, Lupe walked in through the backstage area and didn't say anything to anyone. So I'm like, Okay. Mm. And then they kept saying stuff like, Yo, he cussed out. He cussed out the promoter's mom. Oh, wow. And, and then it was. Was this Dreadhead Lupe or. This was Razor's Lupe. Okay. Ooh, so it was for the Dreads, I believe. Yeah. And he was very disgruntled about a lot of stuff because the label wouldn't put his album yeah. out and all that kind of stuff. And I wasn't really a fan of Lasers that much. So it was 
Yeah, I, I just wasn't really a fan, but he was just really, 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 really not a nice person that day. Mm. When he came out, first of all, um, the show started and all these people showed up to see Lupe. He said, I'm going on first. Oh, wow. Bun B was also there. Okay. To perform. Um, so I'm going on first. I go on at this time, no later. So now the bill had to be in reverse. It was supposed to be Ali Shaheed maybe, uh, Ali Shaheed and Fife maybe last, and then Lupe, and then um, before him, and then uh, Bun before him, and then Paul before him, and then Killer Kalion before that, right? To kick mm-hmm. off everything. Well, that didn't happen. Lupe went on first. Okay. And then Bun went after him. And then Paul went after him. But what happens is when you headline the show, everybody that came to see you is now, if they once they already see you, what do they do? Leave. They fucking leave. So this is a 1,200-person venue probably. Mm-hmm. It might have been sold out. I don't know. Lupe goes on for an hour, gets off the stage, everybody leaves. Ugh. So now a few people stay for Bun. Maybe like half the room stay for Bun. By the end of it, Nobody's there for Paul. It's one o'clock in the morning, mm. and Paul Wall is up there in front of like ten people. Ugh. I never got on stage. They had to pay Fife and Ali, and they never got on stage. Mm. Um, it was just a terrible night, right? So I'm like, yo, for a while I was like, fuck Lupe. Because when he came out, he's like, yo, everybody got to get out the way when I'm on the stage, when I'm walking down the hall. He didn't even walk down that hall. He went another way. Oh, it was, wow. It was weird. It was bad. It was bad. So for a long time, I was like, yo, Lupe got to get like, fuck Lupe. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> and then I hated like lasers. So I was yep. like, that album wasn't even that good for that shit to be happening. Threw food and liquor in the trash. Yeah. Like, exactly. <laughs> so this is what really happened. <laughs> Lupe got booked for this show mm-hmm. by this 19-year-old Jewish kid. Okay. Um, Something had happened before, and they didn't want to deal with him, with the promoter. They get off the plane. Sasha, I mean, not Sasha. That's that's Scoremore guy. Not Sasha. Sorry. Um, the... Little Jewish kid, I cannot remember this guy's name. Little Jewish kid shows up and they are like, hell no. Who is this kid? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if the money just hadn't been there yet or whatever it was. They did not want to deal with this kid. Um, Something happened at Soundcheck where the manager of Lupe went off on this kid's mom. Oh, wow. Uh, probably made her cry, all that kind of stuff. Who knows what it was? I'm pretty sure that it was just a whole bunch of this promoter brought this brought Lupe down and didn't have anything, anything in order at all. So that probably pissed Lupe off to a point where it was just like, get me out of you, here. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck yeah. you. You're cool. <laughs> and you're cool. And oh, it's Fife Dog. 
and Ali Shaheed. Love you guys, but fuck all y'all. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 just was a bet. And um I just never saw Lupe again. I never like, you know, never got never was in a room with him again. So um I guess I never got my vindication of maybe he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um but it was it was a it was a terrible night. Mm. It was a terrible, terrible night. I never. I drove all the way to Austin to do nothing. Oh, I did nothing. I think we. I think I went and stayed at a hotel or something like that. And I might have just went. And, I, I don't even think I had enough time to go drink after it was over because it was two o'clock in the yes, morning. Late. Everything was closed. It was. It was bad. So, um, and then that guy threw another festival, um, that only can be rivaled in its, um. And it's ineptitude by the fire fest. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I got some friends that can definitely tell that story. Oh, wow. Um, it was supposed to be ludicrous and currency, I think, and I, and no one came. And it was at Texas A and M. Ooh. But then again, if it's in College Station, who wants to be in College Station? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, yeah, I figured you'd like that because you're a Longhorn. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So yeah, you, you know. Hi, Lupe. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's another one I would be nervous to meet, man, because I feel like he's a very intelligent dude, but he's also very uh, kind of maybe introverted. I think he's a little introverted, and it could probably be mistaken as uh, standoffish. Yeah, and uh, it could also be because he's intelligent. I think he can also be uh, misinterpreted as like maybe a little bit of pretentiousness. Arrogant. Yeah, arrogance. pretentious. Um, but I think he just. I think in at the core of him, he's just a nerd that can rap really yeah. well, and he likes video games. Yeah, he does. So, um, and he, I mean, he raps extraordinarily well. Yeah, that last album, man. Yeah, tough. I didn't finish it, but I, I got to listen to it again. Like, yeah. I almost, you know, because I went, like, that, that particular moment with him was like, I don't know. And so it's always just yeah, been kind of like. It, it, see, it affects your perception of people. Yeah, That's does. why I don't want to meet some damn, people. man, like. I want to have a conversation with the guy. Not about that. I just want to talk to him yeah. and just see what, what he's like and all that kind of stuff and then say, okay, I can, I can yeah, jam again. I get you. You know, so shout out to Lupe, man. Definitely. Hope he's doing all right these days. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, man. So what else you got going on? What, 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 a lot went on this week. It did, man. I want to get your take on a lot of things. All right, let's do it. So let, let's go back a little bit because we had a little mini debate last time we saw each other. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of want to discuss this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your boy, Arian Foster, yep. uh, has some comments about Tupac on Van Lathan's <laughs> TMZ yeah. show. Uh, and, and we've been talking about this, the group chat, like everybody, everybody mm-hmm. I know. We've been, I talked about it with ESG. ESG was offended. <laughs> he was offended. He, yeah, he's a big Pac fan. Okay, so he's like, "Man, Aaron don't know what he's talking about. Okay. Don't tell Aaron that." Yeah. <laughs> We're still trying to get on the show. It. Yeah, but uh, uh, so it, I, we talked a little bit, and I saw you agreed with him. So I kind of want to explore that a little bit because that's okay. been very controversial in the hip hop community. People love Tupac, and mm-hmm. they want to know what y'all mean when you say that he's not deep. Okay, so what Aaron was trying to say. And he may not have worded it well mm-hmm. because I don't think he had an opportunity to word it well. What he and me and him spoke about it in the studio. Yeah. He's not. Pac is a deep thinker. Pac was a um, 
a layered human being. Um, a lot of the things that he may have read and, you know, and learned over the years was some deep shit. But when it came to lyrics, they weren't extremely layered and deep. Even when he's talking about, you know, Brenda's got a baby or he was just talking about things that happened or that happens in our communities and with, you know, all of the things that he spoke about. He wasn't an extremely deep person. He was a very passionate person Mm -hmm. as a rapper, which made you feel what he was saying, but he wasn't deep. Like you don't, I don't, I don't know of a Pac record that I have to listen to three or four times to really get all of the gems out of it. Right. So, um, I, and, and the funny thing about it is one of the things Arian said, and I know for a fact is Pac is his favorite rapper. He did say He's that. He did preface it by saying that. Pac is so much his favorite rapper that his album is named after the intersection that he was killed on. Okay. Flamingo and Koval is the intersection that Pac was killed on. Those he has are- nothing but amazing things to say about Pac. Yeah. But one thing he doesn't believe is that he was deep. He's not a deep rapper so when y'all say that i just want to know what you would define as deep i just think it's more so of a um more so a um one it's a a lyrical aspect of things like you you listen to um maybe a a hove record where he's like introspective and stuff like that and then you realize that there's like three different things he's talking about at one time or there's entendres in there that can mean a lot of different things or you know another guy that his favorite rap one of his favorite rappers is Pac that agreed Brad Jordan yep he said the same thing and we were in he said Pac was passionate but as a rapper he wasn't super deep he's a great rapper but he wasn't the deepest of the abyss deep one guy that I think is pretty deep is face when you talk when you hear what he talks about a lot of t- a lot of the shit he talks about um is on a level of like man i didn't even like huh yeah like i didn't even think about you know that kind of thing he, you know rapping about you know mortality and you yeah. know um but Pac, Pac raps about that he too, did man. but he but his raps were more like I don't think I'm gonna live to see 25, and he didn't live to see. T- yeah. What was he? How how was he Pac died at 24? Four. I believe. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I again not to discredit him, but we also have revisionist history when we talk about. No, I artists. agree. I agree 100 percent about yeah. that. You know, like one of my biggest things is when it came down to the Pac and Biggie debate. I was always a Biggie person. Yeah. Um, just because I love the way he he rapped, I just love the way he rapped, and it and it bumped to me, and I and I, you know, I still bump Tupac records. But Biggie also told people that the girl was so fine he suck on his daddy on yeah. her daddy's daddy. <laughs> that is that is, come on, bro. <laughs> Biggie had several suspect lines yeah. like that, and I think that um, it's hard to have the 
the conversation about Pac because people love Pac so much yeah. that it's hard to be objective about it, especially in death. Yeah. So um, you can't say that Pac wasn't something, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you, it's nothing you can say that Pac was, you know what I'm saying? Like like there was a, a person that, um, um, it was one of the movies he did and they were saying, um, Tupac would they showed a clip of Tupac acting and he was like, Man, this was such a he was a you know, such a brilliant actor and he was this and that. And um was I, saw, it, I saw you throw some shade on Twitter about that. You're I like, think it was poetic justice. I think it was a poetic justice. No, and that I, scene you linked to, I think, was from a different world. Yes, yeah. that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. It was a different With world. Jada Pinkett. It was when he was on a different world. And if you've ever seen a different world, different world, uh, fun fact is my favorite. TV sitcom of all time. Okay. It's my favorite one. Um, there's the episode where Jada Pinkett has um, Pac, um, her friend comes in from Baltimore and literally, this literally what the storyline was. He comes in from Baltimore. <laughs> Where's Pac and, and Jada Pinkett from? Baltimore. Yeah. And uh, she's the, he's kind of like the ex-boyfriend you know, close friend that she grew up with and uh, he's on this college campus and he's been in the streets for so long or whatever and he meets the boyfriend that's the college kid. Yeah. And they were like, man, you know, he was such a great actor and all that stuff. I said, bro, I love Tupac. I love Tupac. But Tupac was playing Tupac in the scene. Like, this is not a great, this is not a great idea of who Pac was as an actor. Um, it's not a great idea. It was Pac playing Tupac. I, I would say he was more so playing the character he played in Above the Rim. Exactly. Which was Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> it was Tupac. He wore the same shit. He wore, I think the best, and, and, and again, it's hard to be objective about Tupac because it he is. died so early and he he his sample size, he put out a lot of albums, but yeah. he didn't put out a lot of movies. Right? So, I think the most I saw Pac like really get into his acting bag was like probably a poetic justice mm-hmm. definitely maybe like a gridlocked or yeah. gang related but we never got to see what type of because you got to think about it Pac was playing Pac was playing a role in like gridlocked and gang related that was easily a 30 year old person's yeah you know that that was a thirty year old person's role. He was like twenty three. <laughs> like that, it, it, I can give that. But the different world yeah. thing. Although I love the episode, and I love Pac. He was Pac playing Pac. He kind of was of the above the rim. He was Pac playing Pac. Mm-hmm. Juice. I would even give him a better, you know, rating on you know what he was. But we never really are going to understand what Pac would have been today because we don't know. Like, I agree. Because Pac could have very well have been DMX. Yeah. Where he hit a height and then the drugs got to him. Or we don't know where he would be because when he died, he was still signed to death row. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I... I it's it's really kind of hard to to kind of gauge like would 
would Pac still be a great rapper today? Would he be in the acting realm? Mm-hmm. Would he be more Ice Cube? Would he be Ice Snoop Cube? Dog, would he, something like that. Yeah, um, I think that I, I just kind of believe that Pac would have. I like to believe that Pac would have, um, not been a rapper altogether and just kind of, um, or maybe been a rapper but more doing more of a Chuck D thing. Yeah, you know, and, and which. Love Chuck D. Like Chuck Some, D is living the life he wants to live. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I that, that's one annoying thing people do though. They're like Pac would have been president. Yeah, like Lil Wayne wouldn't be around if Pac was here. Yeah, and <laughs> it's all ridiculous. It's all ridiculous. It's like you know, hate to say it, but it's the same thing people say about Aaliyah and Beyonce. Yeah, as if Destiny's Child was not a group when Aaliyah was alive. And that just that debate just came up again too. I think again, because it was her and birthday. I hate when people do that. Yeah. Shit. I hate when people do that. I hate when people like Aaliyah and Beyonce don't even have the same skill set. I agree. <laughs> like, I agree. They don't have the same skill set. The people that model themselves after Aaliyah and you can tell are Ashanti. Um Sierra. Definitely. Like a Maya, maybe, even though they were probably around the same time. Maya was around the same time. Um, Ashanti, Sierra, Janae Aiko. Not saying that they all sound like her or they are like her. I think that they take cues from her. I think they take the way she dressed. I think they take um, some of the dance elements and I think they take um, some of the airiness in her voice. I agree. And the, and the, so it's not really necessarily like they're the next Aaliyah, mm-hmm. but they take cues from them just as much as I, I think that um, uh, K. Michelle and um, what's the girl's name? Um, why am I drawing a blank on her? You talking about Kalani? No. Um, K. Michelle and... Um, uh, Keisha Cole, oh, Keisha yeah. Cole, uh, K. Michelle and Keisha Cole all take cues from Mary J. Block. Yeah. Um. Beyonce took cues from Michael Jackson and Janet, and um, probably a little bit of Paula Abdul here yeah. and there, and Tina Turner, and you know, you just you just can tell what the tree is, and. People always have this idea that, like, if Aaliyah was here, Beyonce wouldn't. Yeah. Like, they couldn't exist at the same time. It is. Exactly. It is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But then it also talks about, it also speaks to um, how people only feel like black women can only be in in that one space at one time. And um, um, how people kind of think that Nicki Minaj and, and, Lil Kim couldn't ex- coexist if th- if they liked each other, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or how people think that Cardi and Nicki can't coexist. Yeah, well they can't. <laughs> they that's because of them. Yeah, they can't because they can't get along, yeah. right? But I think a lot of that has to do with the people around them that think that there's only one spot for a female rapper. Yeah, mind you, the one that stood the test of time in all of this and never has to worry about any of this because everybody has to respect her is Missy Elliott. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I don't I don't know if it's just more of an aesthetic thing for people like they think that, you know, they don't think that 
Missy is like conventionally beautiful. Yeah. Or that she's not the standard of what a female rapper looks like when it's really ridiculous because everybody that was before Lil' Kim looked like MC Light or yeah. Queen Latifah. You know what I mean? Um, who are attractive women, but not they ain't so they ain't been over showing their birth canal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. If your shit is dope, your shit is dope. Yeah. Twerk video was a masterpiece, by the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I saw <laughs> clips of it. I don't think I needed to see too much of it. I was just like, oh, they twerking. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, like I, there's there's that always that thing that's just like there's always well if Aaliyah was still here then um you know Beyonce wouldn't be Beyonce. Yeah, fuck out of here! Like that's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. Aaliyah stands are hardcore, though. I've learned that. There again, it's hard to be objective with people that died before they ever hit their prime. Yeah, but going back to the Tupac thing, because I have to at least defend fellow Tupac stands a little bit, okay, man. All right. Uh, when you talk about him not being, I, I I thought the way I interpreted what Aaron Foster likely meant is kind of what you touched on. He wasn't a technical rapper, right? He he. Thank you. He did. That's it. Yeah, that's what it is. He wasn't technical at all. He didn't use metaphors, double entendres, stuff like he's that. A pedo- he's, he's a uh, he's a poet. Yeah, definitely. I almost said pedophile. <laughs> that's, that's not right. Sorry, guys. But. Um, uh, yeah, when you when I heard that he wasn't deep, that didn't seem like there's Pac songs. I'm somebody who deals with like some deep depression at times. Like I've had yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely dark thoughts. Me too. And Absolutely. he has music that you can feel he was going through that too. Right. And you can really relate to that when mm-hmm. you're going through that yourself. He has some lines that hit you so powerfully, like in the song Changes, yeah. when he says it's time to fight back. That was that's what Huey said. Two shots in the dark. Now Huey's dead. Yeah. Like that's one of the hardest lines. Like that that's a real emotional line for me because I'm like, man, that's the black experience right there. Yeah. You yeah. know, right right in two bars. Yeah. And so you know, I think that um again, he was cold. Is Tupac a better rapper than than Scarface? I think I, I feel hey, like if you and I love Scarface, one of my favorite rappers of all time. Pac but got I more feel hits. like Pac got more hits yeah. because of where Pac was at Death Row with that machine face. But I I don't even know because face. Come on, man, mom playing tricks on you. Yeah, um, mom playing tricks on me. Uh, uh, uh smile, which yeah. is with Tupac. Um, till I seen a man die. All yeah. That. Um, the joint with uh with with uh with uh Ice Cube. Yeah, gangster. Uh, you know, believe that hand of a dead body. Mm-hmm. Um, he got jams. He does, but I feel like if you call Tupac, if you say Tupac's not deep, you can't say Scarface is deep because their content very similar, their delivery very similar. I'm not saying similar, but in, in that emotionally powerful. Like I'm saying, I love Scarface. I'm just saying their their con their musical content was similar in that they're talking about hood realities, depression, yeah. dark thoughts, street life, and they're not use going overly technical with it, not using double entendres, metaphors, switching up the flow every bar. So if you can't go and well, say that Tupac is not deep, but Scarface I is. I think Face is a little bit more technical and a little bit more metaphorical. Yeah. 
Now I'm not going to say he's like a, because again, the same way you feel about Pac, you know, in some of my dark moments, I listen to Face. Yeah, and there are some records in there that are like, I don't know where he was, but I hope he's out of it. Yeah, I didn't get much of that from Pac, and which is fine. You don't have to, you know, be on the verge of you know killing yourself in every song, but you. I think that um I think that there are more there are more ways that you can word certain things. And I don't know that Pac ever got to a point where he could do that. Yeah, he did say Hennessy and enemies a lot. I'll give you that. Hennessy <laughs> and enemies and adversaries. Yes, penitentiary. Uh, penitentiary. <laughs> he did that so many times. <laughs> And I didn't even think about that yeah. uh, <laughs> at this moment because I do say that about Pac a lot. But um, <laughs> he Hennessy and Enemies was his uh, was his go to. I might change the name of this podcast to Hennessy and Enemies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, Arian should name his next album. The first album was uh, Flamingo and Koval. The next one should be Hennessy and, and Enemies. Just because, because I think that's going to be <laughs> man. That's funny as hell. Um, yeah, man. So the the comments that Arian was getting yeah he got people were getting at him people were getting at him I want to box you <laughs> kill yourself who is Arian Foster you know exactly who the fuck <laughs> Arian Foster is come on man you know who Arian yeah. Foster is like come on yeah, people got real tight about that's that that's why that's why you you got hurt and you know what like, what are you talking about <laughs> One thing about Arian is the last thing he ever wants to talk about is football. Yeah. So when you say that's why you ain't, that's why you fumbled in that one game. Like, you, don't, you don't care about that. Finally, remember that. You don't care about that. That's why. Uh, uh, Tennessee you don't fuck with you. You don't fuck with Tennessee either. You don't. Like, come on, man. Yeah, man. Shout out to Arian, dog. Yeah. Shout out to Arian. Good guy. Uh, one more thing I want to get your take on, man. That happened this week. Uh, that. I think it sparked an interesting music debate, man. Um, the Ariana Grande song. I didn't hear the whole thing. I, I didn't. I'm not a fan. Like, I, yeah. she don't make music for me either. Right. But the the debate that sparked from this is kind of interesting to me mm-hmm. because I feel like people are just realizing basic music stuff right now for some mm-hmm. reason. And I think mm-hmm. it sparks from that Soldier Boy interview. Yeah. But uh, people are saying that her new song is sampling the flow from Princess Nokia another talented singer and also soldier boys flow on pretty boy swag on this, on this song. And I've noticed a trend and it seems to be like ever since, you know, people started saying, Oh, that's the Migos flow. Oh, that's the future flow. Mm -hmm. People are starting to try to say, Oh, you're biting me when you have similar content or, or a flow lyrics whatever in your song right but i'm like hasn't music always been like this hasn't it always been derivative of something else kind of um and i'm not well versed enough to know about the ariana grande song because i've never i haven't heard it and i have no idea who the fuck princess nokia is so, but what I can say is in hip hop, there was always 
up until like the last maybe 10 years or so, there was always a, if you bit my style, you was biting and that wasn't cool. Yeah. There was always a, um, which is why you can have rap debates. Yep. Like, like that because Biggie sounded nothing like Tupac. Yeah. And Rakim and, 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 uh, Kane were the two best rappers of their era. Yes. But they sounded nothing alike. So I think, um, and Jay-Z and Nas, they sound nothing alike. Yeah. Right. But now, um, the problem with music, the music industry right now, um, namely hip hop and R and B is that everybody's taking the one thing that works and they're doing that 20 times over. And there isn't a lot of distinction between who this rapper is and who this singer is. And now the singers sound like rappers and Mm -hmm. now the rappers are getting all out of tune and making really bad R and B songs. And, you know, it's really, you know, so you, which is why you can have a designer and a future. Yeah. And, you know, there is a lot of recycling of uh, flow patterns and, and things of that nature. Um, a lot of it has to do with you not writing your own shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and a lot of it has to do with young people just like seeing that and wanting to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, for me, it was different coming up and, you know, listening to music and stuff like that because I always wanted to be um, a writer as as good as Donny Hathaway. Yeah. I always wanted to be that, but I never really wanted to sound like Donny Hathaway, and I also knew I'd never sound like Donny, yeah. Donny Hathaway. Like, like, I don't even think that my body is capable of making those yeah. <laughs> those things but then also he was doing a lot of complex things and he had a lot of different knowledge that I never knew um his skill set was just way different from mine so what was my next best thing was to just find like other artists that I really liked mm-hmm. that I wanted to make music that felt the same way so not necessarily sounded the same way but felt the same way yeah so like I want my records to feel like a Donnie song or a D'Angelo song or that John Legend song that they play at the weddings yeah. every fucking wedding. Um I wanted the 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 feel of a Jodeci or a Boys to Men or a Babyface record or something like that, but I don't necessarily want to sound like them. Yeah. I think that a lot of these artists are hearing something and saying, oh, this sounds just like that. I'm going to do that. Yeah. But I feel like that's almost always been the case as far as pop music goes. I mean, when N.W.A. came out, everybody had a rap group, like a West Coast based uh, gangster rap all of a sudden. Even even heavy metal. Everybody wanted to be Motley Crue. Exactly. And there were 30, you know, bands that were you know, them, every label had a band that yeah. was like Motley Crue. Um, and Motley Crue kind of got all this shit from Kiss. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there is a, um, there is an element of like, that's kind of always happened. Like disco was always, yeah. a, it was just, like they say, it was just one long song. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and you know because everybody was on cocaine but <laughs> you know there, there's certain artists out there like you know, what i will say is that the icons of music the real life icons of music uh for the most part are artists that when they put out music you say were they listening to anything else out because this don't sound nothing like mm-hmm. it when you think about the greatest artists of our gener- of our time um Michael didn't sound like nothing else that you heard. Like nobody sounds like Michael Jackson. Yeah. And a lot of it had to do with Quincy Jones and just a lot of his production, you know, crew and all that kind of stuff. But they made sure that Michael sounded nothing like Michael. Yeah. And they also made sure that he sounded nothing like Prince because Prince also was like, you couldn't have been listening to nothing else going on in the eighties because you put out this and everybody else was doing this. (laughs) You know what I mean? And and those are icons that we'll never see. A, like, even when Biggie came out, when Biggie dropped, you was like, bro, that's not how people rap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, people don't rap like this. Yeah. People rap like Kane and Rakim and people rap like Ice Cube and all of, Like, they don't rap like this guy. Yeah. It ain't Andre 3000. Uh, Outcast. Yep. Just period. Period. People did not rap like Outkast. And Outkast didn't rap like nobody else. Like there was no time in in Outkast history where you could hear a song you say, "Man, that sound just like the shit that came before that." No. Hell no. It sounded like something completely different. But that is the reason why they're doing million dollar shows. Yep. That's the reason why um Today, you can, um, if they're still alive, you can put a show together and the whole west side of Houston is probably going to be there. Or the whole, you know, a whole, the all of Manhattan is shut down to go see this artist because they make something that came from something different and couldn't even be duplicated. Like, even when people say, oh, Michael Jackson stole from, you know, James Brown. No, he stole performance cues from James Brown. He didn't steal lyrics from James Brown. He didn't steal, um, you know, maybe some of his ad libs kind of had a a James Brown feel to Mm -hmm. it. But he didn't just take, he wasn't just, he wasn't just doing super bad all over again. Yeah. He was doing Michael Jackson. (laughs) Yeah. Off the wall or thriller? Off the wall. Okay. I'm off the wall. Hipster. Um, no, <laughs> off the wall. To me, off the wall was a little bit. It, it's it's not very far apart. Yeah. I'll say that. Um, them bass lines in off the wall, though, man. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Off the wall was amazing. Um, but I do think, though, going back to the point, is just like I think that um, we we do a lot of fighting each other and a lot of there's not a lot of uh, um, variation mm-hmm. in sounds now like there's like 15 girls out there that sound like the same they, they all whispering yeah <laughs> they all whispering they all singing in the same weird accent mm-hmm. we even got guys doing that yes you know they, they got that weird accent and these voice inflections that just sound retarded 
I shouldn't say retarded. Shit, man. We can bleep, bleep. That. <laughs> they sound crazy, but um, they. I don't know. I, there's not a lot of variation in it. There's not a lot of, you know, everybody just wants to sound alike. Everybody wants to have like, not a lot of people want to be them. And then what makes it worse, what makes it bad is that that's when you decide, that's when you find out that they're not very good live. Yeah. Because when they get on stage live, they can't really, it's not transferable on the stage. Scissor. I said it. You didn't have to. You don't have to agree with it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sucks, man. They be on sister's ass. Oh don't man. They? I they mean, look. They ass. people looked the other way for a long time for her. But, but I, even with just like not even just singling her out, I just say one thing I had to learn as an artist when you write this music and when you do when you when you go on this path of making music, and I would say that to any young artist that's listening that is just starting off on their shit, eventually you're going to have to perform. Yeah. So if your rap isn't practical enough for you to, isn't if you can't duplicate that rap live. I mean, you don't have to anymore because they got the vocal tracks playing. But let me tell you something. <laughs> Them vocal tracks are trash. They are. But people don't care. It's the most, it's the laziest. It is. I most agree. Most unprofessional thing that, I can say, and and, it, and some of, some artists that I like do that, and I can't stand. Yeah. It. If I want you to rap over your vocals, I'll just listen to the song mm-hmm. in the car. You know, um, one of the things that made me so happy to be a Jay Z fan was him coming out yes. during the um, so so deaf. Um, was it the twentieth anniversary show? A couple few years ago, and um he couldn't even finish the songs because he was like, yo, I can't deal with those vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take the vocals out. B. <laughs> I was like, yes, Jay Z. Yep. Yes. Somebody, you know what I mean? Like that. It's just not a young artist. I don't even know how many, like there's probably, I, I think I have like 10 listeners, right? <laughs> young artists, please remember that eventually you will have to perform this music and perform it well. Because as an artist, if you are not actively doing shows Mm -hmm. and you are not sync licensing music for TV and and movie and shit like that, you're going to need to do a hell of a lot more to make music. Yeah. Because those are the only two ways you'll really make money, especially in a climate of streaming. Like the streaming algorithm is so crazy that like you can get a million streams and get like two grand for it. Yeah. You are not going to make real money just solely based on streams. If you are not consistently performing or sync licensing music for TV shows, commercials, movies, stuff like that, you're not making you're not going to make any money. So the easiest thing to do is to start doing the shows because sync licensing is is really kind of hard to get into. If you are not consistently doing shows, you need to be consistently doing shows. If you are not a good performer yet, you need to tell yourself that, and then you need to get better at performing. Yeah. Because if you suck as a performer, there's only so long that people are going to be able to write. Because the thing is, 
even if you suck as a performer, if you keep putting out hits, people are going to keep yeah booking you. But when the hits start slowing down and you're not a good performer, nobody wants to see you perform. Yeah. So they're not going to book you. It's it's that simple. It's really that simple. Like whatever you have to do to keep the to get whether it be your your wind or whether it be your voice control or whether it be um um, if you play an instrument and you want to be able to play it well on stage, if whether it be your um, your overall rapping ability and your perform, like the energy you got on stage, like you need to really put forth a good show. There's a lot of artists out here that you think are great, mm-hmm. and they're putting up these big ass screens and it's flashing lights everywhere and it's distracting everything from what you're doing. And they got the auto tune on and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And it's only going to last so long. It's only going to last so long because when the hits slow down, especially in this climate, cause they have to put out so many hits here and there. Like every few months they got to put something out, especially rappers. When that shit slows down and you have no, performance to fall back on nothing to really just perfect example of this frankie beverly and maze yeah they haven't put out an album in over 30 years maze is on tour year round all the time all the time and frankie beverly's you know his vocal vocal cords are kind of you know strained at this point and i think there was a time where they said he had uh, um throat cancer or something like that and um but they're so tight on stage. Mm-hmm. They're so tight on stage that you can't, you can't deny it. The revolution still tours yep. without Prince. Um, who Morris else? Day. Morris the original Day. seven now. Yeah. But. They, they still tour. These, uh, uh, Beyonce is a touring machine. Yeah. Not just because she makes hits, but because her mic is on when she's on stage. Yep. She's a she's an alien to me. She's a machine. You singing that you're singing live with wearing that while dancing that way. Yeah. For 2 hours? A 50 city tour? I will admit after I heard you break down Beyoncé on our podcast, I I got a new respect for her. There is because no, I never looked at her like that before. There is no artist. There is no artist living today that is doing what Beyonce is doing on stage. I agree. I mean, there are artists that have great vocals and they just are great behind the mic. Like I went and saw Tamia a few months ago Mm -hmm. and Tamia sounds amazing on stage. She sounds, and it's effortless. It's incredible. She's great. But the production ain't as big. Yeah. The dances ain't as, as, uh, as strenuous. And a lot of that probably has to do with budget and all that kind of stuff. But her skill set, she might not be as good a dancer as Beyonce. And that's fine, mm-hmm. right? But there's no human being on the earth today. You know, pre-Michael Jackson, it was her and Michael Jackson. Yeah. There's no human being on the earth today that is pulling off what Beyonce is pulling off. And doing it in such an efficient manner. Yeah. Like, I've never seen anyone say, man, Beyonce came on stage and was trash. Mm-hmm. Never seen it. Yeah. And you will never see it. 
see it. You just won't. It's just like I've never heard anyone anyone say that um, that they went to a bad D'Angelo concert. Yeah. Never heard that one before. And again, they have a different skill set and they and they D'Angelo's set is instruments. So he's going to blow you away with how many instruments are on stage. Mm-hmm. And he sounds like he does on the, on the record. With the falsetto and the and the um the vocal range and the band is tight and his guitar playing is is just as good as his keys playing. Yeah. You know, it, he'll blow you away that way. But no human being is dancing and singing at that dancing at that high level, singing at that higher level. In the clothes she's wearing, mm-hmm. in the heels, that woman ran the runway of the stage in the biggest dress I had ever seen on stage. She did resentment, and you know it's like a thing she does with the guitar, and she sits in front of the fan, and she got this huge dress on on the on the um on the on the run tour tour, on the run on the run two tour. She had to book it to the back. To get off the stage so she could change clothes. Yeah. I don't know if that woman had on heels under that dress, but she was running in a dress that had to be, that dress had to be 25, 30 pounds. Mm. That dress was so big. It was like a wedding dress. It was like one of those really big, dramatic wedding dress looking things, but just orange. And then came back out and was, because Jay was doing his thing, and then she came back out in a whole new outfit yeah. and was rocket. Two hours. And the in the and the reason why I say that about Beyonce is because she can people want to be Beyonce, but they don't want to do the work the that work, become yeah. that that means that she's Beyonce. They don't want to do that work. Yeah. People want to be LeBron James, but they don't want to do the work that comes with being LeBron James. They don't want to put in the hours that it takes to be who Jay Z is. Yeah. These people are icons and they're icons because they're extremely talented and they work extremely hard. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure Jay had to up his, his work ethic to catch up with Beyonce. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really <laughs> believe that. And I'm then Jay Z's my favorite rapper. I think that he had to step it up. I think he sees Beyonce and is like, shit, I got to, I'm following that. Yeah. Or, damn, if I ain't on point with these lyrics, Mm -hmm. if I ain't on point with my movements and all that stuff, Beyonce's going to perform me off this stage. Yeah. And I can't have that. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then sometimes he probably concedes. It's like, yo, she the the one in the house. (laughs) She the the one in the house right now, you know? And you can be comfortable with that because it's Jay-Z. You're you're worth damn near a billion dollars. And your wife is damn near worth a half a billion dollars mm-hmm. so like it's you know it's just that way but like when you see these art like it takes a lot of work to be d'angelo yeah it takes a lot of work to be usher and a lot of work to be you know just the mid-level even because those guys aren't even mid-level those are icons too but to be the mid-level artist that's constantly touring and stuff like that like you have to find a way to be better than all of those guys too yeah and you have to outwork those people and you know, for me, the live show makes the 
the biggest difference because the live show is a really bad time to realize your favorite artist can't sing. It is. And one thing you said that I never even thought about before, but uh, helped me have a new appreciation for Beyonce. You said it was really impressive how she can sing while sitting down. Because yes. I'm not a singer, so I never realized apparently yeah. that's really hard to do. It's very hard to sing while sitting down. I never record sitting down. I never record sitting down because um, your diaphragm is, you know, you, you can't breathe the same way sitting down as yeah. you are sitting up. It's just it's the way it is. This woman sat on her ass, mm. like Indian style almost, in that large dress and sang a ballad. Resentment is a ballad. Yeah. And she sang that shit like it was. She did it like it was. Like she was just talking. Mm. And it was just like the most. Incredible thing that I had ever seen on state. Like when you see those videos of her doing that. And she's already the the craziest part is she's already been on stage an hour. Yeah, <laughs> like she's already been it. It's about the same as if LeBron or Steph Curry or Michael Jordan or James Harden or Russell Westbrook have been playing. This is the second game of their back to back. It's seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they rattle off a twenty points. Yeah. And you like, I thought this motherfucker was tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I thought he was tired. That's what it was. With me. I'm like, yo, she's still, she's still going. And she's not going to stop anytime soon. And she has to do this again tomorrow. <laughs> and she has to do this again the day after that. And they're going to get a day break. And then she's going to have to do this again and again and again and again and again. That's why I like, when people are like pushing and pressing and pressing and pushing and, you know, all trying to get a tour and an album out of these people. I'm like, no, this is high level stuff. Like it takes a lot to get. Yeah. Like a Beyonce production is a large production. Jay-Z production is a pretty large production. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, a D'Angelo, like to get D'Angelo out of bed is mm-hmm. like yeah. a hard thing to do. <laughs> And it all comes from like being able to create music that um, that touches people. But, and, but then in order to be able to make music that touches people, you also have to be in a, in a place to write that song That's true. to where it touches people. So it ain't no, let me sit in front of the mic and just, you know, mumble, 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 mumble. And then here's an album. There's a lot of artists that do that. Their show sucks too, though. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so you know what I mean like this it's it's uh not a lot of artists that I feel that I would like every time they come down I would pay to see them perform. One guy that I would is PJ, PJ Morton. Okay. Um he's another artist that that's just like a workaholic on the road. And um they he he does stuff on stage that like like how is he this good and how's his band is good how is it how are his background singers this good and i just try to study and study and study and i try to you know i might steal a couple things from him Mm -hmm. and i might you know try to run my ship the same way um but it ain't a whole lot of i'm telling you it ain't a whole lot of artists out here even the popular artists it's not a whole lot of popular artists out here that are really good live they just not and 
when the hits again, when the hits stop, when they slow down, you don't have a voice to to carry out the old hits, mm-hmm. or you ain't got the rapping ability to carry out the old shit. You gonna falter, it's man. Gone. It's gonna be done. You better st- you better get into another business venture. Well, speaking of like live performances uh-huh. and Jay Z's involvement in things, I kind of want to know what your take on this as well, because I know you're very political. Not you don't mean to be, but I think you you know you're very interested in you know what goes on politically and what's going on in the NFL because mm-hmm. you have the athlete background as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this whole Travis Scott halftime show thing, man, mm-hmm. I kind of want to know your posi- position on that because I'm hearing you know two convincing arguments. One is like okay. You know, it could be a dream of Travis Scott to perform at the Super Bowl, uh, no matter if several artists have boycotted because mm-hmm. of Colin Kaepernick's protest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know apparently Jay-Z has requested that he had not do it. Um, Cardi B stepped down as well. Rihanna said in the past she wasn't going to do it. Uh, so what do you think about uh, Travis Scott? And, and what would you do if you were in his shoes and had the opportunity to perform at the Super Bowl? I don't really know the. I think that for Travis, and he's not wrong in thinking this is, it's the most watched event on television. Yeah, bar none. Bar none. It is statistically every year the most watched event on television. That is prime advertising. Sales are going to go through the roof. Um, Maroon Five will be popular again. Yeah. Streams are going to go, are going to skyrocket. Um, it's an advertising tool. I get it. What I have to get past for me as a Super Bowl performer is that you got to pay to be on the Super Bowl. Yeah. You don't get paid to do the Super Bowl. They, You have to pay to be on the Super Bowl. So why would I pay to, why would I pay an institution that, from my athlete standpoint does not pay retired players properly um, players properly all but one player in the league has a fully guaranteed contract and it's a white quarterback that's just kind of okay um so from a ball player standpoint I, I don't understand why I'm paying you to just exploit and do more exploiting, yeah. right? The other part of it is, um, why am I paying to for you to continue to um, randomly drug test Eric Reed mm-hmm. seven seven out of eleven games? Why am I paying you to um, come together and make sure that Colin Kaepernick is not is still jobless? Yeah, you know why am I paying? to be on paying the institution that um, continuously neglects the well-being of athletes, current athletes and former athletes. Um, Why am I doing it? I wouldn't necessarily pay to do that. I've been back and forth about like, you know, would I ever do the festival that the, uh, the final four does every year? I don't think I would. Mm. I don't think I would. I don't think I would want to sing, uh, perform for an NCAA event. Um, I've I 
might have tweeted that I probably would never sing that unless unless the psyche changes there. Yeah, I probably wouldn't sing the anthem at a at a uh, at a Texans game. Oh wow! Probably wouldn't do it. Wow, because I don't I don't believe in you need to tell your compadres to stand. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in we can't let the um, inmates run the asylum. I don't I don't I don't believe in that shit. So why am I entertaining your ass? The week that there was that rumor that they were supposed to um, implement a rule that if you weren't going to stand, you had to stay in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. That week I was scheduled to perform the anthem, sing the anthem at uh, the Dynamo game. And I almost dropped out. I almost said, absolutely not. First of all, the song's racist as fuck. Yeah. I'm glad we never sing the verse. It's a racist song. In a country that, by and large, is racist. Yeah. What I did was research the policy for the anthem. For all of the major, um, except the NHL, I don't think I researched them. But for the major league, you know, things or whatever. So the NFL was you got to stand no matter what. There's no policy behind it. There's no we're going to find you. There's no fi- to this day there's no we're going to find you for not standing up for mm-hmm. the anthem. Um the NBA's policy is you will be fine. Yeah. But also we there's other ways that they allow them to protest in a way that's just like Okay, I can deal with that. I can deal with, you know, the whole team coming out and I can't breathe shirts mm-hmm. and not getting fined for that because the commissioner is like, yo. But right now, that's up. And I think they're even talking like, should we even be finding people? I think that's like a thing for them right yeah. now. Should we even be finding people? I get it. NBA is probably one of the most progressive uh, leagues in all of sports, right? Um, the MLS is take was we would prefer that you stand if not it's unfortunate we're not gonna do nothing to you about it yeah and i think the reason why is because it's probably the most diverse sport and the most diverse league because it is soccer so you're dealing with africans you're dealing with um latinas you're dealing with um you know europeans and you know people that they ain't got a pledge allegiance to any American flag or sing a national anthem for anybody because I'm not even from here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just like, just like, you know, I, maybe I would show, maybe I would stand up and show respect to the other people around me if the Jamaican national anthem is on, mm. but I'm not Jamaican. So you got to excuse me if I don't know the words, fam. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the NFL routinely does things to try to silence players routinely. They did it to Arian. They did it with um, Colin Kaepernick. They've done it with, uh, they tried a lot. They they tried a lot of things to get Dion out of there. It's just as far as the way he, he you know, talked and, you know, did his thing. Uh, they did it with Chad Johnson. Yeah. They did it with T.O., um, well, Chad Johnson headbutted his girl, and well, I mean, that's that's later on, yeah. right? 
Chad Johnson. Oh, hit, you mean like the uh, the celebration and all the that? The celebrations. Yeah, the, I guess you. The fines and all that kind of stuff. Change it got so mind. bad that he got fined one week, and then Chad scored again and pulled out a sign that said, Dear NFL, please yeah. don't find me again. And then they find him again. <laughs> <laughs> I miss I miss Chad Johnson, man. He's man, hilarious. I love Chad Johnson. He's like one, he's like one of my favorite receivers of all time. Yeah. Um, they did a lot. They've done a lot to silence a lot of people, but they've done virtually nothing to the likes of Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy got himself out of league because he sucked when he, yeah. when he came to the Cowboys. Um, uh, Kareem Hunt. They weren't going to do nothing to Kareem Hunt yeah. until the video came out. They weren't going to do nothing to Ray Rice until the – and I'm not even saying that these guys have to have their jobs taken away. I'm saying that there needs to be action taken to hold grown-ass men accountable for what they do. Stop trying to hold grown-ass men accountable for Colin Kaepernick not wanting to stand for a song. Yeah. You know, so – when I look at the NFL, I look at it in that aspect of I don't think I want to do the Super Bowl. It's a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't really I don't really blame people. Like like for me, yeah, if you want to do it, go do it. I don't know that I could do it. Yeah. I don't know like I'm not even going to say Oh, Travis Scott out here cooning or Travis Scott is out here being Uncle Tom and, you know, he only care about himself. You know, they're saying that, though, that man. Yes, they are saying that. And, you know, in the end. He's a man with a family to feed. And if they're fed, though, I mean, Kylie got more money than him, probably. But we also can't expect everybody to have the same moral compass as us. Yeah, I agree with that because we thought the same thing about Kanye, too. Yeah. And. Some artists and, you know, because I ain't never really just seen Travis Scott just speak up about social issues. The one time he did, it went badly. What was those it? Michael Brown comments? Oh, what he said. He, he essentially. Yeah. He said that uh, Mike Brown provoked it. And, yeah. And there's consequences for your actions and all this, this stuff. So that was yeah. some cornball shit. Yeah. Um, and which is also why sometimes. You could just say nothing. Exactly. And and I can I will be okay with that. Like I like Jordan, for instance. Like I don't be looking for Jordan to say nothing about <laughs> nothing. You know, if he does and it sounds Yeah, he, he ain't gonna say what you want to hear. Right. <laughs> Michael you know Jordan what I mean? Like I don't think he's gonna do a whole lot yeah. of that, but you know, I'm also okay with the fact that he doesn't say anything at all. Yeah. Because I don't want to look at you in that se- in that sense. I want Michael Jordan to be Michael Jordan. I don't want Michael Jordan to be Michael Mix. I don't want my, I don't I don't want Michael Jordan Michael Jordan to be Colin Kaepernick. Everybody's different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I I I get it. Like it's black Republicans all over the place. Kyle Drexler's mm-hmm. a, a black Republican. Yeah. I I ain't taking no pictures with, with no, no niggas. niggas. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't taking no pictures with no niggas. Um <laughs> I, you know, I I just I don't know. Like I said, I, I always look at people and I expect them to be exactly who I've seen. Yeah. And who's who's to say that we don't like we, I don't sit down with Michael Jordan one day and he we drinking and smoking cigars and Mike just go off and get to saying that white boy ain't shit and this is bad blah blah. Because <laughs> yeah. one thing I will say 
about Michael Jordan that people really, really don't ever talk about is the fact that Michael did not go to the White House when George Bush was in office. Yeah. He did not go. And from what I understand, when they when someone asked him why, he said, I ain't vote for his ass. Oh, wow. That's what that's the story I heard. Okay, I didn't know that. I don't think it was just, oh, he's got a prior engagement because he was at every Bill Clinton Mm -hmm. uh, White House invitation that there was. He was at every single one of them. The one he didn't show up to was the one with George Bush. I didn't realize that. And the, but the one that got ostracized was dude, uh, the shooter um, on the team, uh, the one that showed up in the um, in the. Um, oh yeah, I know you're talking about. I forget his name now. In the Muslim uh, yeah outfit. Yeah, um, I forget his name. He was on more shit. than an athlete. Um, Craig Hodges. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, he was there, and he wrote a letter to the to the president. Yep, and then he got blackballed. Mike was not there though. And again, from what I heard, is he said, I ain't vote for him. I'm not saying that's the biggest, you know, political statement you could make. I don't know that I would be at the White House while George W. Bush is there. While Lil Bush is I don't I don't think I would. I don't I definitely ain't going to Donald Trump. Yeah. I ain't doing it. You know. But again, like there's, you know, I get that these people are thinking like these are the numbers. This is what I this is what I stand to to make on this and I'm going to do it. It's the Super Bowl. It's the most watched event. I'm not really mad at them. So what do you think about Gladys Knight doing a national anthem? Yeah, she said uh, what she say. She said you have to have uh, um, don't bring the song into it. Or- yeah, basically, like she she worded it to not throw shade at Colin Kaepernick, but she still kind of did because she said, you know, the national anthem's not the place, and we need to take it back and all this stuff. So, well, I mean, I have so much respect for Gladys. Yeah, I also understand that Gladys is speaking from the perspective of a seventy year old black woman. Yeah, and. There's a lot of rhetoric that black people used over the years from that age group that was vastly very conservative. Mm-hmm. Jim Brown, one of them too. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like a lot of a lot of our views on gay people have a lot to do with the way our 50, 60, 70, 80 year old parents and grandparents thought about gay people. Yep. A lot of the the way we can't get away from church sometimes has a lot to do with the way our 50, 60, 70, 80 year old parents and grandparents view church. You can't say nothing about the pastor. You can't do nothing about this. We can't take, we can't talk about um, uncle molesting everybody because Mm -hmm. that's just not what we do in this family. And we don't want this and that blah, blah. And so there's always a conservative way. Like, like Martin Luther King, you know, we say, that what people called him a radical because he would sit in at, you know, and boycott buses and stuff like that. Yeah. It's kind of light. At that time, it would have got you killed. Absolutely. It was heavy. But when you think about it now, it's just like, and, and, and again, him and the people that he rolled with that time are the reason why we can look at that and say, damn, 
That just didn't seem like a big deal. Now we say it doesn't seem like a big deal. Back then, that was a huge deal. And we're mm-hmm. like, why? Why is it a big deal that I can't you know, drink from this water fountain? You know what I mean? So, with, But Martin had conservative views in, in, in how you re- respond to that type of stuff. Conservative being when somebody pour their milkshake on your face, you're supposed to just sit there and not say nothing. I am a firm believer in you put your hands on me, I'm going to punch you in your face. Yeah. And there's no two ways around it. I'm going to punch you in your face and we're going to fight. And I might kill you if you keep playing with me. That's just how I feel about it. Malcolm X was the same way. Yeah. So there are different, but also, again, Malcolm X probably had his views on gay people that we probably don't want to talk about. Yeah. Well, they're, uh, that, that's a <laughs> whole other discussion I mean? about Malcolm X. Yeah. There are some other yeah. the stuff about him as well. But the, uh, but going back to the anthem and not bringing the song, the song is about slaves not being able to get away. The third verse, at least, is about slaves not being able to get away from their masters. And there's nowhere to go. And they're talking about fucking terrorizing black people. Yeah. Black people that could have been my great 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 grandfather or great 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 grandmother or aunt or uncle or whatever. Like one of my early ancestors is Gabriel Prosser. Um, Pro- Gabriel Prosser. Gabriel Prosser led a slave revolt in Virginia about 30, 40 years before Nat Turner was ever even a thing. And he got snitched on by a, uh, a slave, a fellow slave. Mm-hmm. Um. So for me, that resonates. Like my 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 um cousin just passed away. He's the oldest living war veteran in America. He just died last week. Hundred and twelve years old. World War Two, I believe. Um, I got a lot of history in my family. I also got veterans in my family that are like. One of my cousins is like, I ain't worried about people kneeling for the anthem. We fight so that you can have the choice. Yeah. So when people say, don't bring the song into it, is the song really that damn important? The song don't slap that hard. The song ain't that jamming. It's not. (laughs) It's not that jamming. Now you get the right person to sing it, it sounds good. Yeah, Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye. Whitney. Um Whitney, you get Jimmy Hendrix to play it, it sounds mm-hmm. great. Um Beyonce can sing the walls off of it. Yeah. Uh John Legend is really good at it. Even Gladys Knight is very, very good at it. Yeah. But it's a song too, though. So if I don't want to sing the song, <laughs> if I don't want to stand for the song, so what? You know what I mean? Like there's there, there we're not making like I didn't see what the big deal was when he kneeled, when he yeah. knelt, because he had a reason behind why he knelt. So it's a silent protest. It's it's just the way that it is. And and again, I have so much respect for you know Gladys Knight, and I think that might just be where we disagree on. But mm-hmm. it's also a generational gap too. Yeah, and I get it, and I understand. Like there's certain things that me and my mom don't agree on, as you know about societal things, and I understand it because. Things meant something different for her when she was 20, 25. Things were vastly different. And for me, it means something a little bit different. 
You know what I'm saying? It's it's kind of like, you know, you know, for years, you know, Oprah didn't like rappers because they used the word nigga. Yeah. Oh man, she went on a tirade. A tirade. Like it was Tore Ludacris apart. Tore Ludacris apart. Um Um 50 didn't like her for it. Mm-hmm. Um she wouldn't even have Jay-Z on. Yeah. And then finally when Jay-Z and and them sat down, they just had a discussion about it and they agreed to disagree on it. I don't like the word. Well, it's not that I like the word, but I use it because of this. And this is what I do with it. And we put this much power into the word and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And this is how I feel about it. Well, I don't like it because, you know, it's the last thing that was said to you when they kicked the chair from under you and they hung you from a tree. Totally understandable. (laughs) Both ends of it. I completely understand both ends of it. White boy, you can't say nigga though. <laughs> White girl, you cannot say nigga though. And my whole litmus test of it is, look, anything that you about to say that's offensive, when you about to say something that's offensive, ask yourself, can you fight? If you can't, you probably shouldn't say it. Because the person you about to say it to, you have no idea who they are. That's true. If you cannot fight, <laughs> don't say nothing that might be deemed offensive to them. And you can't tell people not to be offended by certain things if i tell a gay joke and a gay person is like i'm deeply deeply offended by that it was wrong and you shouldn't have said it i gotta take that (laughs) i gotta i gotta eat that i gotta say okay you know what you're right would you would that make you stop saying a joke it would make me think about it more okay even if even if maybe and and if I say it, if I say the joke again, mm-hmm. it would be around somebody that might be gay that doesn't take offense. Yeah. To that. But I'm not going to keep saying it to you. Like, I'm not going to keep calling you. Yeah. You know, because um, I don't even like I don't even use the F word. Really, nobody does anymore. Gay people do. That's true. To each other. <laughs> right. And so but I can't say, well, y'all say it. Yeah. Who is that dude that called? Will I am that? The Perez Hilton. <laughs> Yo, Perez Hilton is trash, dog. One he of the is, funniest videos. He's so trash. Did he get time. beat up? Yes, he did. Will I am beat his ass? Yeah, Will I am. <laughs> he was on camera crying. <laughs> Ooh, he beat That's what you get. That's what you get. Oh, man. Because you talk too much. Because you talk too much. And you, you don't fight well enough to say all the <laughs> shit that you're saying. And you think that these celebrities are not going to give you these hands, but yeah. they will give you these hands <laughs> in an immediate fashion. And I'm OK with that. Yep. I am certifiably, certifiably in agreement with. If a celebrity does not feel what you're saying right now. That you get the consequences. Yep. I hate when people get to roasting, trying to roast a, uh, an uh, a celebrity and then the celebrity class back and, and says something back to him and oh he's a bully he's a bully or mm-hmm. she the bully nah nigga you started it by saying oh boy his music was trash and he told you that you look like the bottom of his shoe <laughs> so you're gonna take that cause you started it you couldn't just say I just wasn't feeling it you couldn't say that you had to go off the deep end of, you know, you had to call him names. You had to talk about his mama and his wife and all that kind of <laughs> shit. You had to do all that shit. And and you can't do that with people with a, a larger microphone than you unless you're ready for it. Because his follower presence and her follower presence is way bigger than yours. Yep. Man. He, they got two million followers on Twitter. You have 
500. <laughs> and today you decided to fuck with the wrong person. And that person said, you don't even know who your baby daddy is. And now, <laughs> and now you crying and calling victim and doing all of this. Nah, you should have left his ass alone. Yep. <laughs> You should have left him alone. I don't care if we like him or not. I don't care if you like that artist or not. You know what I'm saying? You might, like, I don't particularly like anything that Kanye's doing right now. But you you going off about that man's family and, uh, you know, insulting him in certain ways and all that kind of stuff. Yes, fine. You have the right to that. But if Kanye decides to say, shut the fuck up, that's why, you know, your titty bigger than, than the other, you got one bigger titty than the other one, then you got to eat that. Ain't nobody finishes. Oh, he's a bully. Don't worry. I don't care about now, that. I think they, they, they would still portray it like that because we are in that culture right now. We are. And, but, but the thing is you got to stop acting like you got to stop talking like you can fight. That's true. <laughs> if you, if you can't fight, you got to stop talking. Or if you don't know how to roast back, you got to stop talking. I think we're in the end days of the roast, though. Honestly, nah, nah, I think we are. I think we are. Honestly, man, I don't think I don't. I don't think like, we are. Everybody is, and I don't like the whole outrage culture thing because yeah. I do think people use that as a blanket excuse to, you know, uh, defend racist stuff and defend homophobic stuff. But I look back at some stuff. I'm a big fan of like early Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, stuff like that. Dave Chappelle. Uh, those it specials wouldn't no hell nah would have never made it they would have been so if they existed today those specials would be so watered down forget comedy you could even say um the attitude era of wwe that oh man nothing <laughs> i just saw um um the clip of stone cold steve austin trying to toast with old, with that with that white chick and um she didn't like the beer when she tasted it <laughs> and he felt insulted. Hit her with the so he hit her with the Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> that was like 2000. Yes. 2019, Stone Cold Steve Austin would have been on an apology tour. Yes. You know, trying to salvage his career. They would have took him out of, out of the WWE Hall of Fame. All kind of stuff. Eddie Murphy, half the shit Eddie Murphy said. Yeah. 75% of the shit that, that, Eddie Murphy said in raw and delirious mm-hmm. wouldn't have made it there Richard would be Pryor, no Beverly Hills cop too there would be no <laughs> Richard Pryor nah there would uh a lot of Chappelle wouldn't be here but Chappelle yeah. just don't care so Chappelle just yeah he really it. don't but they still go at him man they and still and he they, just they're trying to blame him for the R. Kelly skit now saying that he somehow normalized that Oh yeah, like, I saw that yeah that's he didn't, people he, didn't, he definitely didn't normalize that nah. do you know what normalized it Motherfuckers going to buy the uh, the tape at That's supermarkets, <laughs> at flea markets. That's what normalized R. Kelly yeah. pissing on a 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. You found out what it was, and then you played it anyway. And then you... Like, uh, like, like Jules was saying last week, she went to a party at a hotel, and a nigga just turned it on. Oh, damn. Just turn the just turn the movie on, and she left, and they got mad at her for being sensitive about it. 
back when it was going on. Like, yeah. It's a 14-year-old girl he's peeing on, and y'all niggas is just playing that shit like it's um, reruns of of Bowinkle, Rocky and Bowinkle, <laughs> some shit. Like, what do you, what do you, what do we talk? That's what normalized R. Kelly. What yeah. normalized R. Kelly was R. Kelly going to a concert and women still rubbing on his wiener, his wee wee, like that, <laughs> on stage five years after. See, they still are. They still doing it <laughs> today. Even after the series. He just got dropped from his label yesterday. Mm-hmm. Just got dropped from the label in 2019. 2019. That video came out in like 2001 yeah. or two. He was on trial for six years. That's what that's what normalized R. Kelly around here. Like niggas really think it's normal that R. Kelly is just walking the earth with a gaggle of women at his house locked up and got a pee in a bucket. Like that is the most, yo, I was trying not to talk about it. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't mean to bring it up because no, I like, know. It's it's astonishing to me. Yeah. It's astonishing to me. And I think the worst part about it is that all of the people that I know that think that what he was doing was just okay and how we're, how people are, trying to tear down a black man and how people are um, saying that, you know, well, Woody Allen did this yeah. and that. And I'm like, you can't even name a Woody Allen movie. Mm-hmm. The average black person cannot name a Woody Allen movie. Oh, hell no. You cannot name one. You can name 20 R. Kelly songs off the top of your head. So why are we worried about, or we are worried about Woody Allen because Woody Allen apparently is a pedophile. So, we can say, we can say, Woody Allen need to get his ass whooped, mm-hmm. and we can say R. Kelly need to get his ass whooped. That's we true. can whoop both they ass at the same time. But only one person's getting their ass whooped right now, and, and that's it's R. R. Kelly. And that's fine. Also, I don't know Woody Allen to be a serial pedophile and a serial rapist. I'm not saying that what he did was not still wrong, because mm-hmm. he still is a a molester in a way he still molested a child Mm -hmm. r kelly is currently abusing and molesting women and girls today doing that now he's probably in the house right now peeing on a 19 year old or an 18 year old or a 15 year old for legal purposes allegedly no but i guess no no he definitely is (laughs) okay he 100% is. If he could, They can try to sue me if they want to. I ain't got no money. It don't matter. <laughs> and, and that's fine. You can sue me for defamation. But in order for you to sue me for defamation, you got to prove that it's not true. So now let's start, the, let's start the investigation. Open up the studio. He did. They raided it. Yeah, didn't they find didn't find anything. nothing. Yeah. He moved everything out before he yeah, got there. There is a reason, like, we can do this. He probably threw him in a hotel. There's no, there's no logical, there's no logical thing that we can say about why there are women that are literally, that literally have not spoken to their families in, in years, but we don't know where they are. 
they know that the last time they saw him was with Joe ass. <laughs> Ain't no move. You could keep doing that. But right now you're just the the drug dealer who got to keep going from trap house to trap house and house to house because the feds is on your ass. Yeah. And then you get cornered. But the problem that he's about to run into is his money is dried up. The money's gone now. You don't have a label to fall back on. They can't give you, they can't advance you money. Um, you don't have a net worth of anything. Your net worth is a million dollars, probably less than that because you couldn't even read your contract. Yeah. He admitted that. So you couldn't read your contract. So you don't even own the publishing to any of the music that you make. So when people use it and people play it, you're not the one getting paid off of it. People are now starting to not play, you know, book you for shows. The money's drying up, fam. It's hitting the fan. It is hitting the fan. His manager just turned himself in for threatening to kill old girl's uh, parent, family. The one that was on the documentary, the one that, that forged the uh, the papers for Aaliyah and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He just turned himself in to, to jail. Oh, okay. Because of last year, they said he threatened. Yeah, threatened one of the girls the, the who was. Jocelyn. Uh, yeah, Jocelyn Savage. Yeah, Jocelyn Savage, yeah. Um, just turned himself in. We about to watch him start singing. Now, R. Kelly's people, I think, are tight. I, I don't think he's going to sing on them. That guy that used to be the one that sat up there on that on that on that uh, documentary he don't work for he does not work for R Kelly anymore and if he wants to avoid jail time to get the bigger fish all he has to do is say look i forced papers so that they can get their marriage done i know i'm going to do time for that i've already admitted that i can do time for that yes um i made the threat but at the the direction of R. Kelly. Oh, really? Well, tell us more about R. Kelly. What all have you seen? What What's the paper trail here? Where does this money come from? Where does this... It's going to hit the fan. That guy's going to be the first one to sing. And I think he turned himself in because he knows he's about to be the first one to sing. Could be. He knows. They don't give a shit about anything Sparkle talking about. They don't give a shit about anything um, his ex-wife, Andrea, is talking about. Mm -hmm. They don't care about none of that shit. They are about to... They are about to hang R. Kelly by his nuts. And it is going to be... You think the Bill Cosby shit was bad. Bill Cosby at least had money still. Yeah. R. Kelly can't even pay to keep covering this shit up no more. He keep getting evicted from from houses and boy, it's about to be bad. And it might take a year, might take a few months or whatever. But the first step was the label not supporting him anymore. Because this is the same label that kept advancing R. Kelly money but wouldn't throw it, put a put some bail money down on Bobby Shmurda. Well, Bobby Shmurda was held on $3 million bond for a lot of shit that he did. A lot of shit that he did. <laughs> Bobby Shmurda's not innocent in any yeah. way. Neither are his friends. 
He told on himself in a song. Yeah. The context was a little different there. And and speaking from a purely business perspective, there was a lot more value in keeping R. Kelly around than keeping a Bobby Schmurder who only really had one viral hit. And who but, knew if he was ever going to follow that up? But you've already signed him. You've already put money up. You want your money back, right? Yeah. He can't make none of that back in jail. So at least while he's... I mean, jail's a good promoter for an artist, though, honestly. Can be. But if you ain't putting out no music before you go yeah, to jail, true. you know what I mean? Like he could have, he could have rattled off a, another album while on trial. Let him, but but see that speaks to me to the hypocrisy of it. Yeah. Because the other reason why, and we won't talk, we, you know, we won't. Uh, what people won't under, what people don't want to talk about is that the other reason why R. Kelly is able to do what he does. Is because so many men in the industry are just like him. I agree. And they don't want to deal with. That's the reason why so many of these dudes don't ever want to talk about Donald Trump. Because you're the same guy. You just don't have as much money. You out here um, being creepy to 15 year old girls, too. You out here, you know, being sexually, you know, sexually harassing everybody that you see. You you the one that don't like Mexicans, but you like them cutting your yards. You the one out here, um, um, grabbing your purse or your or your holding on to your wallet real tight when you get on the elevator with a black guy. You the one out here talking about, you know, the killing was was justifiable. You the one out here talking about what all the stuff that that Donald Trump says. You agree with that shit. Mm-hmm. And if he goes down, then that kills everything that you stood for, because now you have a figurehead. R. Kelly is the figurehead and the poster child for, and we could talk as much as we want about Jerry Lee Lewis and and uh, Chuck Berry and um, Woody Allen and all of these people, but the face, because he's been doing it for so long and nobody's done anything about it, is R. Kelly. He gotta be. I, I I disagree that people look at him like he is like people defend him because they do that as well. Some people might, but I think the bulk of the defense comes from I think as black people innately we have a revulsion when it seems like there is a I don't want to say a conspiracy but a mass effort to take a singular black figurehead down. Right, and and, and in a way, in a way, I understand that. In a way, I definitely understand that. But, and we did it with OJ. Yeah. OJ killed that woman. Exactly. <laughs> and that man. <laughs> he killed that woman and that man. He did it with Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby absolutely drugged all of those women. Absolutely. And it's not because, I don't even know, it's just because that he just has this thing about him. I don't know. I think that maybe it's just one of those things where he just thought it was okay. Nobody told him that it wasn't okay. Like there's some people that are just like, bro, you know, that's not right. Right. Like, oh, no, nah, I ain't no wrong with that, man. I've been doing this shit for 30 years. Like that's probably what he's been. And, and what are you going to tell Bill Cosby? He's fucking rich. Like he's, he's super rich. So it's a mixture of like, yeah, he's a little bit of a creep and a control freak, but also 
I've been doing this for years and anybody said nothing to it. So I'm going to just keep doing it. Yeah. R. Kelly is just 100% a creep and a control freak. He knows that this is wrong. If he knew it was wrong, if he didn't know it was wrong, he wouldn't deny it so much. He wouldn't, um, he wouldn't go to such great lengths to, to, to hide everything that he's doing. Right. So I think the other part of it all is we like to act like, you know, uncle Junebug wasn't molesting and abusing yeah. the kids. We like to act. Oh, we don't talk about that part of our, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Also, Another thing about R. Kelly, and I heard even Joe Budden say this, I wouldn't be surprised if when they open up and pull back the the curtain and all the maggots are flying back and all that kind of stuff, there are going to be some boys in that situation. There are going to be some young boys in that situation. Mm. I don't see how you take a girl and decide that she was defiant, and so you make her cut all her hair off and dress like a boy and act like a boy, and you don't like boys. There's also a story last year that came out of him DMing a 17-year-old boy. Um, I think he identifies as maybe non-binary in some some aspect. Okay. Um, DMing a boy on Instagram and saying, you a fine-looking boy. Would you like to come to my show in St. Louis? Or, oh, wow. Yeah. And then apparently a nude was sent from mm. R. Kelly to him. I never heard that before. That's ugh. It's there. I mean, these R&B singers, man, I'll tell you. <laughs> hey, man, look. Hey, look. I can't even argue with you. Because it's some, hey, it's something out there, man. It seems to be it's something out there. There's always, there is a rumor about just about all of them, man. Yeah. And, it and seems I, like. I think that all of this would, um, um, I think all of this would be different if, A, the women were white. Yeah. And, B, there are boys in, involved because we don't listen to black women yeah. about anything. We don't care nothing about what they talking about. We think they lying all the time. We think they out here trying to get money. Like, like that's the craziest part to me is it like, Oh, they just doing that documentary to make money. None of the people on that documentary made money. Nobody got paid to do those interviews. So why would I go up there for free and talk about all the trauma that an artist didn't put me through for no money? If this didn't happen, why am I sitting on stay on here putting myself through that? It don't make no sense. Um, I think very soon some things are going to happen to R. Kelly. And they're, I think that very soon, because I've heard him talk, they say he talking about fleeing to Africa. and Yeah. Extradition works too, homie. Donald he needs Trump. to go where Russell Simmons went. Where did he go? He booked to, I don't know, Beirut, something crazy. He flew the hell out this country, man. They were coming after him. Man. And he's still tweeting like he's like this pro-activist, pro-everything. But nah, them allegations started coming and he got out of the USA. Like, Look, I'm just going to go and uh, <laughs> go do yoga. <laughs> I'm just going to go do yoga. Yeah. Y'all have a good night, guys. Uh <laughs> Thank you, guys. God bless. Good night. Oh, man. Uh, oh, man. Russell, man. Russell. It's a, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of music execs, though, that. Oh, man. And that's the thing. That's what kind of gets me, too. It's like, I feel like when you go after people, and yes, R. Kelly likely does deserve it, mm-hmm. but 
I feel like the it, 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 the ladder goes much higher than him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we would, people would be mistaken to say, okay, Bill Cosby and R. Kelly are gone. So this is a win for the movement. Right. Like, no, these people got this behavior from, they, they realized it was okay from somewhere. You know what I think? And the Hollywood and the music industry are just so dirty at the top. You know what I think? Sometimes men can get, you know, money obviously gives you access, right? I think that men sometimes get so rich and they have access to literally everything and everyone and they get bored and they start trying to find different ways to get their rocks off. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, politicians, because even what even, politicians don't get paid a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. Even the president gets paid 400 a year, which is a lot of money, but not a lot of money when you think about the fact that it's the president. Right. But what they have that supplements all of that is access, which means they probably don't pay for anything. They probably don't. Nothing comes out of their bank account for anything. Mm-hmm. They can reach anyone they want to reach. The mayor can get to any one of us. Sylvester Turner can get to any one of us that he wants to. All he got to do has to do is say, who's Jack Freeman? Send somebody down to go find, you know, let's let's go. I want to talk to him, whatever the situation is. So when you have that type of. When you have that type of access and that type of those types of resources. There's only so much cocaine you can do on the penthouse floor of the apartment. Some of these guys are really trying to find a lot more excitement in their lives. And they think that messing with children is exciting. They think that messing with transgender um, women is exciting to them. And if that's what your preference is, that's what your preference is. Shout out Mr. C. (laughs) Shout out Mr. C. (laughs) But those types of things you can't hide, especially not from your woman, your your wife or whatever. Like, you know, you can't just be running around here on the down low and not do Like one thing that I've always known is that if you ever want, for whatever reason, I don't know why it's that way out there and I don't get it, but there are places in Southeast Asia mm-hmm. that you can go where the age of consent is extremely low. Yeah. And there are a lot of lady boys. There are a lot of transgender uh, boys and girls out there. Mm-hmm. And there ain't no rule about that. And there are people that go out there and they have a lot of fun. And I don't understand it. I don't know why people want to do that. I don't know what the situation is yeah. or what's going on in their heads and all of that kind of stuff. Like, so you Dubai too? Do all these models getting flewed out? <laughs> flewed <laughs> out. Um, all these women getting out there to go get really degrading things done to them mm-hmm. for fifteen, twenty grand, and then they making them talk on video and say that they're consenting to all of this so that they can't sue and they can't. It's a lot of rich, bored people out there. That's true. Um, but 
bro, just go play basketball. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like, don't, like, you don't, you don't have to terrorize kids. Yeah. And then if you already are a certain type of person, the money just makes it even more. It does. Day. So if you, if you're like, if you already a crackhead, giving you a million dollars probably isn't going to be the best thing for you if you don't plan on getting off crack anytime yeah. soon. Um, if you like sex a whole lot to the point where you're already paying for it, giving somebody a hundred million dollars is probably not the best thing to do when they don't want to stop paying for sex. It's just kind of, I mean, do I think that there's some women out there that are extremely successful and extremely rich that probably have some lifestyles that are just like the hell going on here? I mean, probably so. Mariah Carey just got sued by her former assistant. Sexual assault, not sexual assault, sexual harassment. Um, Apparently she was just walking around naked around her all the time. Um, saying another one of one of her managers was like abusing her somehow. So what? yeah, I hear that. Yeah, this is recent. I think she just settled with the uh, with the assistant, but now there's like a new lawsuit against her manager. That's oh wow. So yeah, it's, it's getting wild with Mariah Carey right now. It's kind of swept. Nobody's really reporting it a whole lot, but it's it's out there. Yeah, sexual harassment as it comes from women isn't necessarily something that people like to talk about a lot. Yeah. It happens though. Definitely happens. Um, yeah, that's why I didn't, (laughs) (laughs) I would have, I mean, but it also kind of doesn't necessarily shock me much. Mariah Carey been famous for so long. She's been famous for a very long time. Super rich though. Super rich, super famous. She probably just has people around her that's worked for her a lot, a long time. And she just don't care nothing about, wearing clothes that. i mean <laughs> lady gaga on her documentary on netflix she was talking to i don't know an assistant or a management guy or something whoever it was they at the you know on, by the pool and she's like oh hold on and then she just takes off her shirt and then she's just talking and the titties is out <laughs> and i'm like okay and then <laughs> the other girl is just like no it's okay and then they're just talking <laughs> Lady Gaga was the one that's, that took the song that she did with R. Kelly off. Yeah, she did. That nobody heard. Like, what do you think about that? Man? I don't even know what song it was. That song did numbers did it? a few years ago. Yeah, she performed it on Saturday Night Live with uh, R. Kelly on stage, and he was like grabbing her ass and all that. It was, oh, my God. It was crazy. The song is actually not bad, yeah. objectively. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you want to take your song off with R. Kelly, then that's fine. I don't, I mean... But do you think that's kind of riding the current? Yes, riding the wave yeah, of it's pretty reactionary. Yeah, because that song's been out for years now. Look, I have a song. Not gonna lie, I got a song. But R. Kelly, it's called Riding. No, I got, I don't have a song with <laughs> R. Kelly. But in the say, when I was younger, heard a wise man. It's called Riding. Heard a wise man once say that you remind me of my Jeep. Yeah, I just want to see the way lights hit you one way out on the creep. Yeah, so. I've been back and forth about changing that line, but that song's been out since 2013 or 14. I performed the song a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not changing the line. As much of a piece of shit as R. Kelly is, and as 
Like, I don't think the song that I referenced in R. Kelly song is the catalyst of breeding. Like, everybody knows that I am fully, fully on a fuck R. Kelly train. Yeah. Like, and I don't think people are penalizing me for that either. You know what I mean? But, like, now now I know that people that listen to it are probably going to listen to this podcast. All yeah. 10 of y'all are probably going to go some back Some people and got upset. <laughs> yeah, like they might they might be upset about that, but um you know what I'm saying like I I just don't I don't know. I just I don't think that I've I don't think that the reference is that deep. Yeah. For it. I mean, there's probably an R. Kelly reference in all, all types of people's songs. And they probably don't have much to do with abusing women at all. So, um, do you look at somebody who still listens to R. Kelly music negatively? I do say like, why? Why you? Why? Really? I, I listen to it. I'm mean like, because there are so many great R and B songs out there. There are so many great R and B songs out there that aren't R. Kelly songs. I I understand that, but let's be a hundred percent honest. He is top three R and B, taking away all everything that has been alleged and said and confessed, mm-hmm. everything he is reported to have done mm-hmm. in his personal life. R. Kelly has to be top three all time. Absolutely, I'm I'm not gonna be. I'm not. I'm not one hundred percent mad at people for listening to it because. He ain't getting paid for it anyway. Exactly. That too. The other thing though, <laughs> one thing that does bother me about people is these maybe DJs and stuff like that that play it to spite people. Yeah. That shout out to my new R. Kelly, man. We behind you. you yeah, know, that free kind of, R. Kelly. <laughs> you know you're in jail. You are a clown. And you want to ensure that no woman ever shows up to anything that you do but when, that's a crazy thing though jack like women were still going to his birthday party women were still mm-hmm. going wherever he went blasting yeah. his music like, mm-hmm. he still has the support of many women yes but i would venture to say that not many of them with a high iq are the ones doing it not very many not very I don't know many very intelligent women. I don't know any intelligent women that are still like, nah, fucks with R. Kelly. I don't know any. I don't, I think that people want to, they want attention and they want status from people that they think have status. Um, it's the same thing as women that were at the OJ trial. Yeah. Trying to get at OJ. It's the same thing as probably some women that were at Bill Cosby's trial. Um, it's the same as, you know, people writing letters to, um, major hardened criminals because they saw him on TV. Yeah. Like all of that stuff about, uh, I think there's a Ted Bundy documentary coming out. Yeah. Charles Manson too. Charles Manson and all these women that just love these people 
and they were just horrible people. They're horrible people. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, I'm probably not mad at people still watching the Cosby show. It was a good show. <laughs> I mean, I, again, like I said, A Different World is one of my favorite TV shows. Yeah. And A Different World is produced by, it's a spinoff from the Cosby show. Yeah. It's produced by Bill, Bill Cosby. You know, I don't, so I get it. I get why people would listen to R. Kelly still. My part, the part about it for me is R. Kelly, a lot of these songs he was writing was about children. You know, you wrote a song about a girl's miscarriage and you sold it to Michael Jackson. Like it's just, there's a lot there. You know what I mean? But what his music has done is allow people to turn a blind eye to all the dumb shit he's been doing. Yeah. So, I mean, this is literally the Boondocks episode. It they is. Predicted this. It is. It is, man, like, yo, he's a rapist. I mean, but happy people is, is <laughs> But I believe I can fly, though. I mean, come on now. <laughs> you going to really stop playing Step in the Name of Love? He, he, he ain't pissed on that girl. He wrote, he wrote Step in the Name of Love. <laughs> but he wrote Trapped in the Closet. Yes. And guess who's trapped in the closet? A whole bunch of women. A whole bunch of women are trapped in the closet right now. <laughs> like it's it's baffling to me that people will will do that and they'll ride for all of that and like meanwhile there's articles about Chrisette Michelle and how ain't nobody going to her shows no more oh damn <laughs> like empty empty shows like 22 people in a room is that because of the Trump thing yeah oh that's wild. Then there's also that part where she posted on Twitter, I mean Instagram, a picture of what looked like a miscarriage, and I think it what it, it was a miscarriage. And she oh. said she had a miscarriage, and then what made it worse was that it wasn't even hers. It was a picture that she Googled from somebody else that had a miscarriage, and oh, then she, she posted got problems. It. She's got some issues, man. You know. But I wish that everyone would just abandon R. Kelly the way they abandoned Chrisette Michelle. It really ain't that hard. Nah, it is. It's not It's not hard. Chrisette Michelle got a couple jams, but not that R. Kelly discography. But you can also just say, like, you don't have to go to the show. Yeah. I agree with that much. Because that is directly, uh, d- directly supporting R. Kelly. Because again, and condoning if you're what not touring and if you're not sync licensing, you're not making money in the in this, um, and you don't own your publishing, you're not making money in this industry. Yeah. So the only thing he has to fall back on is his show. He doesn't have, um, he doesn't have publishing. He doesn't own his publishing. He doesn't own his masters. He doesn't have his own record label. He doesn't have any of that. Nothing that he has, he owns. The only thing he does is make money off of off of shows, which is why he tours so much, because they pay him a lot of money to do it. You ain't got to go to that show. And if a promoter keeps paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for, for R. Kelly and ain't nobody showing up to his show, 
it's only so long that you're going to be able to sustain that as a promoter because you look stupid at that point. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's you know, it's kind of the same thing as how people feel about our, um, Lauren Hill. Why are we going to Lauren Hill concerts? Well, that's different. It's not, I think people didn't abandon her so much as what she did or said. It's more so that her show sucks and she's always late and sometimes will cancel. And at also, the last, last second. And also, she does and says stupid shit. Like, yeah. Oh, I know I was late, but I'm worth the wait. Y'all could wait on me. <laughs> nah, Lauren. Like, we love that one album you did. Yeah. You don't have to treat us this way. You know what I mean? Like, you don't you don't have to insult my intelligence. And R. Kelly is insulting a lot of people's intelligence. That's true. And some people just aren't intelligent, so they're just being... They're not being insulted at all. They're just, oh, yeah, I like <laughs> Step in the name of love with Jeremy, man. Yeah. Look at all this music he gave us, man. <laughs> man, them hoes wanted it, man. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? With a daughter. You got kids at the crib. Mm-hmm. Oh, step in the name of love, man. <laughs> I believe I can fly. Honey, love. <laughs> He pissed on a 14-year-old <laughs> on camera, and it said it was his brother. Yeah, it was CG <laughs> in 2002. <laughs> oh, my God. That Disney Pixar on it. That's ridiculous, man. Uh, uh, that's ridiculous. What else we got? Oh, man. Uh, some. What do you think about, because uh, I saw some of your tweets on this as well. Uh, the Soldier Boy Breakfast Club slash little press run he been the on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because well, I I saw you said at first like he, he you think he needs help. No, he definitely needs help. Uh, but I, I to be honest, I saw the interview. I didn't think he was on drugs. The clips made him look insane. But if you watch the entire thing in context, he got excited at some parts. But it wasn't like he was acting strong out. He was very coherent. He lied a lot, but he was coherent he in his lying. lying. He does a lot of lying. But do you think that those lies come from drugs, though? I, I think I think I think one hundred percent he has a vice. Probably and it probably is maybe pills or something like that. I'm not gonna say the man's a crackhead or nothing mm-hmm. like that. I don't think he's smoking smoking a pipe or anything like that. Yeah, he might be on cocaine. That's the behavior of a cocaine addict. Some, sometimes. Yeah. I do think he needs help, though. I think that um, even if it's not drugs, I think what happens to a lot of uh, people that become famous as children, whenever you become rich and famous, I think that's the age you stop growing. So Soldier Boy is still a 13-year-old kid. Yeah. He's 28, but he's still 13. You know, I think... Um, so is he vastly certifiably ridiculously immature yes absolutely Um, does he probably have a also his skin don't even look right like he not something ain't happening he not drinking enough water something something is not going on I don't think it's weed that's doing that that Gucci headband dehydrated him (laughs) yeah that Gucci headband sucked all of the moisture out of his out of his face um I do think he's he's on some type of an episode 
He might have a mental health issue. It could be that. Yeah. Um, but we have to stop. I think the main thing is I think we have to stop um being entertained by the addict or the person having a manic episode or wherever this whatever the situation may be, and then praying for them when they decide they want to go get help. Yeah. And then because you're sad now, but you're only sad because they're not saying things that entertain you anymore. We did that shit with Charlie Sheen. I thought that shit was the most re- yeah despicable shit ever. Like all the stuff he was doing and saying and all that kind of stuff. And everybody, oh, Charlie Sheen. Oh, Charlie Sheen. I mean, this is great. This is great. This is great. Ain't nobody said nothing about Charlie Sheen. He had the house with AIDS. Nothing. Orlando Brown was yep. going two years, a year, just saying the most ridiculous shit that he could think of. Oh man, he's dope. He's just he's funny. <laughs> Everybody laughing. Ha ha. He he and he he and then when he go to rehab, oh pray for Orlando yep. Brown. Pray for Orlando Brown, y'all. We thought Kanye was just so entertaining, just going off on people and saying everything you got to say and all that kind of shit. When he has a panic attack and he goes to hospital, oh you know, pray for Kanye because we. You know what I mean? Like Amanda Bynes did the same thing. Yeah. I can go down the list. Lindsay Lohan did the mm-hmm. same thing. Um, uh, one of the other white girls did it too. Uh, Britney Spears. Yeah, did the same thing. She Mariah Carey was one too. Mariah She's on Carey. TRL, a couple of nervous off. breakdowns. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, just it's so entertaining to people to watch a train wreck. That's so true. entertaining to people to watch a train wreck. And then when that person dies, then you want to you wanna be at the funeral. Yeah. You was just laughing at him, though. It was funny earlier when, you know, when he was saying stuff that was outlandish and crazy. and stuff. You would never do your uncle that way. You would never do your crackhead uncle that way. He might do some stuff and it might just kind of be funny because it's like, come on, look at, look mm-hmm. at him. He tripping. But it ain't, oh, we, he need a show. He don't need a fucking show. He <laughs> needs to go to, to rehab. He needs help. He needs therapy. He needs a lot of shit. He needs everything but a camera in his face right now. Yeah. And I think that Soldier Boy is kind of in a position where he's kind of like the prisoner of his own fame and he don't really get to go outside too much. This nigga lied so much. The the only reason I don't think he's on drugs is because I remember when he first came out, and he made a song called I Got Me Some Bathing Apes. Yeah. And he had nothing but fake $10 Chinese imported bathing apes on. Like, he admitted that all these shoes were fake. And yeah. we could tell from the beginning they were all fake because mm-hmm. ain't no colorways that look like that for bathing ape. Right. So he came into the game lying his ass off. I mean, he's a compulsive liar. So ex- he, I think he's always been kind of like a, a, a rap con man. His, but I his, think, but again, going back to what I said earlier about money and fame, it gets you a lot of access. Yeah. So when you, when you get a little money, now your access to the lie is even bigger. Now you can, now you can, and you have access to the drugs everybody's on. Everybody popping Xanax and yeah. And was popping Molly and you know Percocet, all that. Percocet and all that kind of stuff like I just don't believe that he's not on something because he just doesn't he just doesn't exhibit the the 
behavior of a person that isn't on anything. Yeah. Now he may not do it as much, but it's also like you need to figure out, you know, because there was times where there were times where Meek Mill was tripping. Yeah. And I had no idea that it was because he was popping pills all mm-hmm. day because he was tripping. But I thought maybe he was just, you Gucci know, Man was another one, he too. Was, he would go absolutely. off on Twitter. One hundred. <laughs> He got into a fight with a random at the mall. <laughs> but I knew he was on something then. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, he tripping. He's absolutely tripping. That gut he had, definitely lean. Mm-hmm. You know, his eating habits, all of that stuff. Like, he was tripping. And he know he was tripping. So, and when he went to, and here's another one. Oh, man, he's so funny. Ha, ha, ha. Yep. You know, he went out and put that fake picture of Nicki Minaj, mm-hmm. you know, going down on him and all that. Like, oh, he's so funny. Huh? Yeah. Oh, man, free free Gucci Mane. We praying for <laughs> Gucci Mane. We praying for Gucci Mane, y'all. And then when he got out and he was a better person, oh, he a clone. Mm-hmm. What right. are y'all talking we, we about? We missed the old Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, missed missed the, we missed the nigga that was out here tripping. Kicking girls out of his car while they moving. <laughs> Just... All types of outlandish, just what the fuck type stuff. Like, yeah. I just, I just hope that like, whatever he's, because right now he tripping. Right now he's like living as if he's still a fourteen year old child, and he got to stop doing that. And he, he got to stop taking credit for shit he didn't really do. He he did innovate certain things in a he way. He innovated. He but, he caught a wave on YouTube when yeah. nobody was doing YouTube. You did not take rap to streaming. Rap was going to streaming already. It wasn't it wasn't country music albums that were being downloaded on Napster. They were rap albums. Yeah. And people did try to get all the OGs hated on them at first. Ice Ice T went a lot out, of the Snoop OGs did hate on them. A lot of the OGs did say, you know, he was killing hip hop, and Snoop Dogg was saying he was he was trash and yeah. you know, all of that stuff. They did, they did, absolutely, one hundred percent, they did. Uh, even LeBron James said, um, told Deshaun Stevenson, "Yeah, uh, dissing me is like Jay Z. I mean, uh, Soldier Boy dissing Jay Z. Yeah, like yeah. and Jay Z made that diss song. Yeah, and he made the diss song." And, you know, absolutely, absolutely, uh, 100%, you get credit for, you know, um, pushing the dance craze to where it is and where it was. Um, you get a lot. You, you, I can say, I can say, I can give you a credit for a lot of things. Just stop taking credit for the shit you didn't do. Yeah. You're already... You know, we can already say you had some hits and, you know, you've you made the ringtone thing a a, a, a popping thing. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like you That's you've done a lot, bro. But just stop. Like like I wasn't the biggest Soldier Boy fan growing up, but I also can't sit up I wasn't a big Bow Wow fan growing up either. Yeah. I'm not gonna sit here and say that, you know, the kids weren't fucking with his music because all the kids were fucking with Soldier Boy True. and Bow Wow. I just, that just wasn't the music I was listening to. I wasn't really into it. I wasn't into B2K like that and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But again, that goes to show, like, when you, when you 
get that famous that fast that early. There's a whole lot of shit. Justin Bieber. I can't name a guy who was a child star or a girl that was a child star that's just completely fine. Mm-hmm. Macaulay Culkin went off the deep end for yeah. a long time. We didn't know where the hell yeah. Macaulay Culkin was. Um, Having a good rebrand, though. Yeah. Uh, Fred Savage. Mm-hmm. He's doing well. Um, I'm thinking of obscure names to even just come up with this idea. You know. Corey Feldman got it pretty bad. Like, he was not. And then Corey Haim, who killed himself. Yeah. Those. Yeah. That was real bad. Yeah, I mean, and and again, like fame can do things to you, man. It, it really changes the way that you can look at things, and it is a really lonely situation. It's a lonely place for you to be a 16-year-old kid with more money than you can count, and you can't even get into the club, and none of your friends really identify with you that well because they're not as talented as you. And then when you do dumb shit, your parents can't whoop you because <laughs> you pay their bills. You know, there's a lot of things that you, I mean, Floyd Mayweather is so, he's a very immature person. Yeah. He's 41. He's a very immature human being. And he, but one, what are you going to do? You're going to fight Floyd Mayweather? I mean, T.I. did. T.I. threw (laughs) stuff at him. (laughs) T.I. got two black eyes. Where they at, though? Where where they at, though? And then two, (laughs) and then, and then the other thing is, <clears throat> he went pro at like 18. Yeah. And hasn't lost. <laughs> the man has not lost a fight since he got robbed at the Olympics. Yeah. And that's I think boxers to go on a little sidebar. I think it's there there's a, a an excuse for boxers. I was watching uh, Deontay Wilder on the Joe Rogan podcast, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how, you know, if you were a boxer growing up boxing and you graduated high school, mm-hmm. that was a huge accomplishment. Yes. Because you start boxing so early and there's no boxing season. Yeah. There's no off season. It's just you fight. When You're you fight. constantly training for fights, booking fights, scheduling Absolutely. fights. You have no time to learn or, Absolutely. and that's why that whole thing about Floyd Mayweather being illiterate kind of, you know, that kind of made me feel, like, uh, I mean, you can make fun of him for a lot of things and trash him for a lot of things, but his education wasn't necessarily his fault because he was right. in a sport that doesn't value it and doesn't need it, and actually pursuing an education is detrimental to your boxing career. Mm-hmm. So, that's, I mean, boxers are definitely a little bit different because they are a lot of the best boxers were always the poorest boxers Yeah, growing up. The poorest kids. They were the poorest kids growing up. You know, yeah, Floyd's family, his dad and his uncles were fighters, but Floyd's dad went to jail because he was still selling dope because he wasn't making no money. So, you know, Floyd definitely, he came from nothing, and he had a skill set that afforded him a lot of money. Yeah. He just did it and became very immature with it. And he's, um, like nothing that he does exhibits the behavior of a forty-one-year-old man. Yeah, especially the richest athlete, pretty much in the country. Right. Like none of that, none of that. Like nothing that he does is just like 
Oh man, he, he's so old. Like I've never said that's nigga getting old. Yeah. I'm like, yo, is he still doing that? You know, I I just I don't know. I mean, Mike Tyson. Yeah. He, you know, when you're 17 years old and no one on the planet can beat you up. Mm-hmm. No one on the planet can beat you up. <laughs> Except maybe Evander Holyfield. Yeah. Twice. Twice. But when you're 17, 18, you're a pro fighter and no one can whoop you. You're at the top of the food chain because you're the heavyweight boxer. You're the heavyweight champion at 20. There's not a lot of growing yeah. you'll be able to do until you have to like until you get unplug. forcibly humbled, basically. Yeah, you have to unplug yourself and you have to like really, really like get to reality and understand that like this ain't the life that like I live this life, but the real life of everything is what my friends are doing on a day to day basis. Yeah. How they live and you know, or the people that should have been my friends. Not these people that are just around because they gonna make money off of me, and that's the other problem is that, like I don't think that there's anybody in Soldier Boy's camp that's like soldier. You have to calm your ass down. Calm that ass down. There's nobody doing that. No different from anybody. There's no one telling R. Kelly that he got to stop doing what he's yeah. doing. Six nobody, nine two. Six nine. There's no none of these people that are. There's not a lot of people that is telling these people, yo, you need to stop. You're going to get killed doing that shit. Yeah. Or you got to get off that that dope and quit tripping. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of those conversations going on. So um, I really hope that somebody is brave enough and man enough or woman enough to say, look, I know you trust me. And I love you. And I love you enough to tell you that you're you're crazy. You're tripping. So let's, you know, let's get off the camera. Yeah. But that, they just get rid of those people. But yeah. Let's kind of like the, Bobby Brown and what was it? Omar Epps. Who was in that? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Mackay Pfeiffer it was. Yeah. Yeah. Like Mackay Pfeiffer plays manager who was looking out for him. And then he just, you know, told him to go kick rocks because he's on rock. Yeah. So it's. I mean. It's a, it's um, it's really a, a a situation of like you have to you have to be able to um, separate what you know people are gonna um, what what you know people really want from you and what you're able to give them all the time and I don't think you know they're like you said they are they are firing everybody that's telling mm-hmm. them, hey, man, you got to stop doing that. Or, hey, bro, you're affecting the way that you're affecting the, like, if the if the primary goal is, is your bottom line, you're fucking up your bottom line. Look at all of these, this stuff that people are saying. Look at all these people that don't want you at the show anymore. Look at all these people that are canceling this and, and you know, I just hope it doesn't get to a level of that with with Soldier Boy, um, and I hope he doesn't get beat up <laughs> for talking reckless about yeah. certain people. Um, you think Arby gonna put the hands on him? No, 
<laughs> I, I <believe>. Drake? Drake? <laughs> Drake? <laughs> Them crackers. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I, Drake ain't going to do nothing to him. He might throw a bar at him in a song. I mean, according to Kanye, Drake is some kind of stone-cold assassin who just be stalking and threatening. <laughs> probably is. Drake probably is a very manipulative yeah, person. I mean, Jay Prince is very close in that camp, so he might have inherited some traits. He's probably a very manipulative human being. Yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I, I feel like Drake might, you know, persuade just about everyone to do anything for him. He's a charming guy. He's a nice guy. It's kind of hard not to like him as a person, you know. And Would you work with him? Um, if the song is right, like I think it's, I think it's, it's, if it's good, I'd work with him. Would you write for him? Yeah, I would. I mean, I'm not gonna write him a rap. I don't really rap, yeah. so you know, I'd write him a a nice little R and B song, you know. It's better than him just taking the whole fucking song yeah. and then making a whole different song <laughs> that sounds just like my song. Yeah. What if you wanted lips? Would you give him that? No, hell no. Oh. No, no, no. He don't he don't get nothing from the album. <laughs> it's my shit. It's I mean, it was a uh a um producer a couple of years ago, very well known producer that wanted um he wanted me to play him some music so I sent him some and he was like yeah man so what are we gonna do with this I was like no it's going on my, it's going on my album <laughs> and he was like oh, man like I really want to shop it though can I shop it nope it's going on the album <laughs> damn 40 why did it do that to no, it wasn't, it wasn't 40 <laughs> so I'm not I'm not even like no I'm not I'm not shopping like stuff that cause I think that <clears> stuff <throat> that I write for me can only be performed by me. Yeah. I wrote it for me. You are not going to be able to sing this the way I'm singing. You are not. Trey Songs is not singing lips <laughs> like <laughs> I'm singing lips. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with whether or not I think Trey Songs is talented or anything else like that. He's not singing lips the way I'm singing lips. Okay, I like it. I don't think that Tank is singing pieces like I'm singing pieces okay because of the way that I'm portraying and it's not again I think Tank is amazing I'm not singing Tank songs the way he <laughs> wrote it you know what I'm saying like it's just it's just certain stuff you know that can't be you know duplicated by other people all the time just because they're talented or popular artists so um no I'm not letting Drake Drake will ruin my song. Drake okay. will ruin lips. I I truly believe that he would. <laughs> and I got love Shots for Drake. I, I got love for Drake, but he's going to he would ruin that song. Okay. I don't even want a rap feature on that song. <laughs> except remix except the except the version that we did with Aaron. Yeah, I was gonna say because they put some something around the beat for that, and he kind of did it in a way that made sense. You're not about to get on my shit talking about it. No, I'm not. No, we're not doing that. We'll fight before that happens. Drake. Them crackers. <laughs> Will Mr. Face be joining us tonight? Hell no. I'm not uh, calling him. I'm not calling Brad no more. 
I'll call Brad. We'll talk about it maybe next week or something like that. I One day we're going to make it happen. Yeah. This is a long-ass podcast. I don't know yeah. we've been at. Three was, hours? Yeah, we at 250. 250? Yeah. Right. Sorry, guys. Sorry for such a long podcast. Nah. Um, yeah, just listening to it, you know, at work or something. I don't know. Man, right. we got time. Like, if people act like they don't have time for to listen to podcasts, but most of y'all at work when you don't have to do anything. Yeah, y'all not doing shit. So, y'all, yeah, y'all just you follow papers. You can put papers. a little earpiece in. Yeah, put your little earpiece in and, and listen to us, man. I hope, I hope it's just Driving in Houston anywhere takes about an hour. Yes, absolutely. So. <laughs> Traffic's going to be terrible anyway. You'll you'll be done with this podcast by the time you get to work. Exactly. Um, yeah, man. Anything else we got on the docket? Uh, I think that's about it, man. I can't think of nothing else uh, current. Uh, oh yeah I mixed a little sports and I know you're a big sports head man mm-hmm. uh, since we just talked about boycotting the NFL now you gotta make your Super Bowl picks even though this podcast will be out after the games have ended yeah. but still you gotta make your picks and let's see if you right or wrong I'm going Patriots and Saints or Rams Gonna go Saints. Okay. Patriots and Saints. Yeah, I I I think I think it's mainly because the Rams kinda got started getting hurt at the wrong time. Yeah. Um I think that the Patriots, you just can never really bet against Tom Brady. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are a lot more talented as a Player for player, I think they're way more talented, but I don't know if they have the experience yet. And I think that if the game is anywhere near close, Tom Brady's going to do some Tom Brady shit. So, um, but again, once y'all hear this, the plays, the the, <laughs> the show, the game will be over, and I'm probably wrong on both. So, um, yeah, man, I think this will be some good games though. One more. Um I know you're into boxing. We talked boxing before, and this is another fight, well, another event that will be over by the time the podcast comes out. Pacquiao but Broner. Pacquiao and Broner, who you taking? I'm going with Pacquiao by a decision. Okay. But I'm also a proponent of the fact that if Broner lets his hands go, he can win the fight. If he lets his hands go and his defense is on point, he can get the decision. I don't think he can knock I I don't think that he can knock Pacquiao out. But he could. Um it, it could happen, you know, anything could happen in boxing. But I would I would I'm actually more leaning towards this could be a draw. Mm. Only if Broner shows up and throws hands. If he lets his hands go, that's the only way he's winning this fight. Because if Pacquiao, because Pacquiao's accurate and he's active. Yeah. So you're not going to just sit there and just try to dodge. You know, you're not going to fight him the way you fight Floyd because you're not Floyd. So um, I really hope that whatever happens, Broner can like keep a focus about himself that'll, um, Afford him more fights and afford him more because he's about to get paid. He's got he's about to get paid a lot of money. I think it's like fifty million. Oh wow! I think I think uh, Pacquiao's getting ninety, and I think he's getting fifty. What thirty or fifty, something like that. Oh he's, man, that's a big split. Because I mean, it's a pay per view too. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, it's gonna That's be big. big. So you're taking Pacquiao by decision or draw or draw. Okay, okay. I'm in the same camp, man. What you got? Uh, I'm taking Pacquiao just because what I've seen from Broner hasn't impressed me a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But also, I wouldn't be surprised if he knocked out Pacquiao because Pacquiao is getting up there. He's fought a lot. He seems get, to never stop fighting. He's going to get caught slipping. And, yeah, he's going to get caught one of these days. Let again. me tell you something, man. If Broner knocks out Manny Pacquiao, Adrian Broner for the next six months is going to be the most unbearable nigga to deal with. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, oh, man. It's going to be so bad. Floyd, I... Sh- I, do you think Floyd comes out and makes that fight if Broner does win? If you talk enough shit, he will. Yeah. If if, if, if they can get the money in, up if enough. If Broner talks enough shit, they'll make it happen. Yeah. And it'll be right there in Vegas. Shoot, it'll have to be. And Floyd is going to be ready to punch his face off. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Nah, Floyd would play his game, and he went by decision. There's a lot of fights coming up, man. Yeah, man, it's gonna be a good year. Next month, I think is uh, Keith Thurman coming back. Yeah, March they got uh Mikey and and Errol Spence. Errol Spence is winning that though. Yeah. Um. At April, some point, Wilder and Fury gonna run it back. Yeah, they gotta run it back. So that's probably this summer. Mm-hmm. April is Amir Khan and Terrence Crawford. And May just got confirmed Danny Jacobs and Canelo. Oh, okay. I think Canelo. Why is Canelo and Triple G still not happening? Because the WBC ordered the rematch. No, the WBC ordered Charlo next for Canelo. Oh. But then they started cherry picking, and they only want people that will come to the zone and, and fight. And... The WBC said, well, if Triple G wants Canelo again, he's going to have to fight Charlo. Oh, man. Triple G don't want no parts of Canelo. I mean, he he don't want no parts of Charlo. He don't want no parts of – he don't even want Jared Hurd, I don't think. Um, he don't want Danny Garcia again, neither. I mean, not Danny Garcia, uh, Danny Jacobs. He don't want Danny Garcia – I mean, Danny Jacobs again, <laughs> um, either, because Danny Jacobs gave it to him, too. Yeah. He just lost. So um, you you're you're down on Triple G, huh? I don't I, Triple G's not a I'm not with it. I think he's dodging a lot of guys. Um what pissed me off about him was after that Canelo fight, he put that guy up next that he wanted to fight. Yeah. And then they was like, Yeah, this is the best contender for him to fight next. And then he went and lost to a Japanese dude. And then we was like, Okay, so now you guy, what's up? Oh, we're gonna fight that guy too now. The whoever the Japanese guy was that he fought. But he don't never say nothing about the Charlos. He don't never say nothing about um, all he talk about is fighting Canelo. Yeah. And fighting these bums that he, he like, I, I just don't, I'm not with it. I'm not with it. I think Canelo beat his ass last fight. Okay. Um, and I think he'll do it again too. Uh I think he'll beat Triple, Triple G again because Triple G's is getting older. He is. Canelo is like 28, 29. Yeah, he's getting in his prime now. Yeah. He's bigger than he's ever been. 
He's got better defense than he's ever had. Like this, this, this uh, Canelo will give Floyd problems. He probably don't win, but he at this age, yeah, probably because Floyd is older too. Mm-hmm. Even though Floyd's body body is fresher because he hasn't fought in a while. So, but yeah, Floyd don't get hit. So, also, Madonna's making a comeback. Yep. I think Madonna. I like to see Madonna fight in middleweight because he's kind of fat right now. <laughs> I like to see him fight in middleweight. Yeah, I like to see him in Canelo. That would be a yeah huge fight. And run that. That would be a huge fight. But yeah, that's that's one thing. I, I'm in a UFC these yep. days more just because I feel like they make the fights we want to see more often, and there's not a whole lot of politics behind it. Right. So I think this will be a good year for that as well. Oh, yeah. They just signed that deal with uh, ESPN. They have any first yep. ESPN fight tonight? Yeah. I think it's uh, TJ Dillashaw and some yep. other dude. Yep. So, and, yeah. Um, uh, I think they got John Jones locked in. Yep. They for, already booked his other fight, I believe. Anderson. Is Anderson is his name? Mm, Chris Anderson, I think it is. Something like that. Um. I know he won Cormier, but I don't think DC won no part. Won no he, part Cormier's going to take that fight. They're going to run it back. They're going to run it back in heavyweight, though. I yeah, think. they should. John, and that's what I don't like about John. Like, if he's so confident he can beat uh, Daniel Cormier, he should just say, I will beat you at heavyweight, too. But he was, I after think, the fight, he was like, you got to come to lightweight. It was like, or light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Well, he said, come get your belt back. Yeah. And... But I think that Cormier, I mean, I think uh, John Jones, I don't really think he wants to be at heavyweight, but I think he'll do it for He wanted to fight DC. Brock. That's true, he did. So he, he, it seemed like earlier on he had no problem with making heavyweight and fighting that heavyweight. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so, he has. A, he's got the frame, too. I just yeah. don't know if his speed will translate. Yeah. But, um, but then again, he probably cardios down to 205 anyway, so yeah. he's probably, he probably walks around at 2, 215, 220. Um, I, the fight I always wanted to see, though, but it's never gonna happen, is a uh, um, Anderson Silva, John Jones. Oh yeah, light heavyweight. But yeah. Anderson Silva past his prime. Yeah, he's fighting a really good dude too coming up. I think on that card, I believe so. Um, I know I saw. Let me see. That guy's good. I remember it's some hard to pronounce name. Yeah. Uh Israel Ide Sanya. Yeah. 15 and 0. That boy's cold. Man, if Anderson Silva get knocked out, I'm gonna cry. I hope he don't get knocked out. Like he he just taking losses lately. So he got popped for the steroids. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he don't. I hate to see him go out like that. Yeah, man. For sure, man. Shoot. So is that uh, all we got today? I think that's about it, unless you want to make a early uh, M- NBA MVP pick. Oh, that's James that's Harden his... right now. Okay. That's James Harden right now. You know, we'll see after the All-Star break. But yeah. It's definitely, uh, definitely James Harden right now. I, I mean, come on. <laughs> Six... Who's the NFL MVP this year? Ooh. You know, I would probably give it to Mahomes. Okay. I'll probably give it to Mahomes. I agree. Um that's not too far off. I think he I think he could yeah. win that. I think I'll lock it up. Um who's your rookie of the year? Uh, NFL? Yeah. 
Uh, what are the options? I'm trying to remember who was a rookie this year. You got Philip Lindsay from the the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um, you got. I mean, it, the popular pick is going to be uh, Baker Mayfield. He ain't the rookie yet. You don't think so? No. Okay. I don't think so. I mean, the way I mean, he took the Browns to from purgatory could, to at least what to, they got to, six wins. They, he went. They went from trash to sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they're they're just a bad team now. There's a bad team, but they're not the horrible. Um, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say Philip Lindsay's going to win it. Okay, Philip Lindsay is. Um, for those that don't know, um. Philip Lindsay is the running back for the Denver Broncos. He became the first undrafted free agent to go to the Pro Bowl in his rookie year. Um, his sister went to school with me at Prairie View. Shout out to Sherry. Okay. Um, he's a Colorado grad. He went to Colorado. Um, but I'm gonna go out on a limb because he's been balling this season. And I really want to see him win rookie of the year. Um, I think he broke his hand like at the end of the season or something like that, or his wrist or something like that. Um, but he, but before that, he did a lot for that team. So um, shout out to Philip Lindsay, man. I'm hoping he's winning wins rookie of the year. Um, and if you don't have a choice for rookie of the year and you want to vote, go vote for rookie. Of the year. Go vote for Philip Lindsay. Yeah. Um, they're. Uh, they're probably going to give it to Baker, but I don't really give a shit. About <laughs> like Baker's good and all that, but six and ten is just not enough for me, bro. Yeah, I mean it's just the context of how it happened. I think will. Yeah, it's kind of like how Russell Westbrook got it for averaging a triple double, even though the Thunder were like what the four, five, six seed that year. But he averaged a triple double. He does it every year now. It's nothing special. He did it two years in a row. You're right. <laughs> He's doing it now too. Still, nobody's talking about it anymore. <laughs> Yo, he's going to end his career average in a triple-double. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Russell Westbrook, man. Yes. Indeed, man. What else Shit. we got? Nothing else? That's all I could think of, man. All right. We hit on everything big. You know what so, I want? What's up? Them crackers. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, man. So I hope you guys, man, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed our first No Guest podcast. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll do it again uh, pretty soon. Let me know what you think. Um, my man Ryan Rocket, I appreciate you turning on the mic today. Yes, Normally sir. he's here, but his mic is he just don't be on the mic a lot. Yeah. So um we're here at our undisclosed location. Uh uh what else I got? Oh, February twentieth, Chicago, uh at the promontory. The tickets are on sale right now on Freemanbrand.com, the Freemanbrand.com forward slash tour. Um New York, February twenty second, uh at the city va- city vineyard. Tickets on sale, thefreemanbrand.com forward slash tour. Um, I'm going to be at South by Southwest this year. More about that. I'm going to be in Atlanta soon. Oh, damn. I will be in LA soon. Um, lots of things are happening pretty well, that are, that are going pretty well. Uh, while you're on thefreemanbrand.com, purchase a vinyl, come holla at your boy. Um, follow me on Instagram. I am Jack Freeman. Follow me on Twitter, underscore Jack Freeman. Ryan Rocket, what is your Twitter and Instagram? Uh, I'm on Twitter at the Ryan Rocket, Rocket with two T's. Instagram Ryan dot Rocket with two T's as well. Um, also check out the Gems and Juice podcast if you're into hip hop, entertainment, relationship topics. That's me, my boy Figgy, the producer of the uh, midday show in the loop on Sports Radio 610. 
as well as Jasmine, our girl, who be holding it down. Check that out. Um, Good Conversations there just dropped a new episode for 2019. Also, the ESG and Rocket Show with legendary Houston rapper ESG. Uh, Dude's hilarious. It's a great show. Um, We have a lot of guests coming in, and it's it's been picking up. So check it out now. That's available on, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, you name it, every platform you can get. So check those two podcasts out if you're into sports, hip-hop, entertainment, all that, and just we we don't ask for a lot man just hit the like button hit the subscribe button and and that's it we appreciate it hey oh all right that's (laughs) enough of the jack of all charities podcast we out of here peace